uh, a fantastic Halloween, and uh, we're we're gonna wish you a happy Thanksgiving because we're probably not gonna be back before Thanksgiving uh, at this stage, just because uh, Lafka voting is getting crazy now, where the screeners are pouring in and. People now we're also a member of the um what is what is what, critics what is choice yeah we just keep <laughs> yeah. forgetting the name of the damn organization yes. tim and mark and i are also new members of the critics choice association which is much yeah. larger yeah. presumably more prestigious uh. um. <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know a lot a lot of emails come in from those guys it's much more official isn't it yeah, lots of emails, yeah. <laughs> lots of emails, and apparently, uh, swag. Did you get the Chris Nolan book? I did not. And so maybe it wasn't. Uh, maybe it wasn't them. Maybe it was. Um, you know, the other group. Uh, but but anyway, it's, 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 oh, it's Chris coming, Nolan I'm sure. book. It's black, and it's, you'll um, you'll get it. It's it's uh, it's. Oh it's no, just no, no I did book. get it. I did get. It. I'm looking at it right now. I forgot about that. Yeah, I did. Yeah. get it. Yeah. Was that was that the CC people? CCA? I don't know. I guess maybe. I, I don't know who <laughs> <laughs> either. So we're so terrible. We're bad. Uh, but uh, so so we we have an announcement. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, people who've listened to the show a long time, of course, have have any uh, great fondness for uh, Mark Kaiser, who former host of this show. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Tim, would you do the honors? Okay, so our 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 very very good friend Mark uh, got married uh, over over literally the, this weekend, day before yesterday. It would have been Saturday. Yeah. Uh, uh, here and uh, it was just a beautiful beautiful wedding ceremony in Palm Springs. Uh, in the afternoon, as the sun was setting over the mount- desert mountains at this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful home, uh, not Mark's house, because, you know, Mark has a great condo, but this was like a really wow <laughs> out in the middle of the desert, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you would, with, with, uh, you know, with love, with his lovely uh, new bride, Vivian, uh, who is from Brazil, uh, and, uh, your, your family and friends and, and you, Wade, and, and our, uh, the, the, the fourth and, and our little group, um, um, uh, couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't get Ray out. Green. Ray Green. Ray uh, yes. Green. You know, noted Arthur and film critic, yeah. LA film critics, all that. Ray, Ray. Um, you and you had a whole thing with, with Hero. How'd that go, by the way? That way, it, it went well. So I was not able to be there because my daughter was in her first ever, uh, AYSO soccer championship, mm. which happened to coincide with Mark's wedding. I'm, I'm sorry to, to report Mark got married at like 3 p.m. and her championship game went off at 2 and, uh, went to penalty kicks. <sighs> top two teams, top two teams. Uh, you know, we're, they, they are undefe- the other team was undefeated. We were undefeated except for the first game of the season, which we lost to the other team. <laughs> so uh, it was uh, pretty brutal. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is, uh, not that anyone really cares, but I'm going to tell you anyway, that my <laughs> daughter's team from last year, apart from a couple of players who aged on to the, uh, the other league, was pretty much split between these two teams. So all these girls all know each other and, you know, it's, it's, it's all very friendly, but we wound up losing on penalty kicks on the very last one. But the good news is, uh, even though we got second place locally, we go on to the, we both go on to the area tournament on December 3rd. So there's going to be a nice big tournament and lots of girls, uh, eight, (laughs) nine year olds running around and, uh, you know, ponytails. It was very funny because I, I, my daughter's team, they wear yellow jerseys and the name of the team are the Mighty Minions, right? Mm-hmm. Minions from the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they have a wonderful cheer, you know, Mighty Mighty Minions. And <laughs> and they also have these these yellow bows that they all wear in their hair when they play that match the jersey, right? It's adorable. Mm-hmm. They all have their little ponytails and their little yellow bows and then they get fierce on the field. However, for the championship game, it was made very clear. No bows. 
we're, we're bringing black war paint. So everybody oh, put everybody was putting black under their eyes, right? Like oh, a, like, a, like football forever <laughs> in Malibu. Yeah, that's it. Getting <laughs> uh, getting it. pretty intense. It was you know no bows this time. I'm serious. Uh, really so bows. it's that's adorable. Cool. I love it. Hey, you caught a wild card spot though, so that's wicked cool. Wild card, but so happy for Mark. Uh, so really happy. Look, I, it, Tim and I have both met Vivian, uh, and and I've I've met like pretty much every woman that Mark has ever dated. And uh, Vivian is amazing. She's really, really terrific. And we are so happy for him. And we want to congratulate him. And if uh, anybody wants to also send their congratulations, you can do so. Godsaddictogods.com. Yeah. We will forward everything on. We'll pass we'll it along. It's all this whole on. great story. Wade wrote a wonderful poem uh, for you because he couldn't be there and Ray couldn't be there. Ray had had surgery. So, I mean, real serious stuff kept kept these guys away. And, and I was there to represent. It was, it was a little complicated uh, in, in this situation. This poem, this beautiful poem that... Wade wrote that, that I was going to read, you know, as, as, as one does at these things. So this wedding is outside uh, in, Palm, in Palm Springs at night. It gets cold in the desert at night, folks. <laughs> so the, oh, it, yes, it does. It had, it, had, it had gotten quite cold. And there are all these people there uh, for the ceremony that went on for a bit. Beautiful Jewish ceremony. Just so beautiful. With the, yeah, it was just all wonderful. And, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the rabbi is a uh, good friend of Mark's uh, who he grew up with. And she opened with Etta James. Uh, at last, uh, she sang Anna James at last. Beautiful voice. Killed it, by the way. Killed it. You know, all of this. Beautiful ceremony. Uh, and then all, you know, all the, all the other stuff that happens with the dinner and all this sort of outside is kind of chilly and, the, and folks are giving speeches, but there's this contingency of folks there who are from Brazil. Uh, uh, because Mark, you know, Vivian's and his family, her, her, her mother, her father, her auntie, several cousins, all from, all of whom speak nothing but Portuguese. <laughs> and there were these separate there's this one this one of them i think the cousin uh, who spoke english and and she's trying to translate all these speeches to marks and marks buddy from high school give a speech and, he, he, and she's and she's translating and you know and look this is sweet but it's almost like that joke in that um <laughs> in that movie of the muse yeah. <laughs> when you know the one that kills me yeah. every time it's almost yeah. like that and i'm thinking about so i got that i got this five stanza how many stanzas <laughs> is that poem? Uh, it's like five it's like five stanzas <laughs> It's like a five stanza poem. And I'm looking at this table of Portuguese, of all Portuguese people. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, Christ. <laughs> what, how, what, you see, you know, how you, a five stanza poem, you got the lady trying to translate the Portuguese and everything. I'm like, this, you, it's a rhythm. It's a poem. It has a yeah. rhythm. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't think, it. and then before I knew it, and, and, and I have to add this, the, 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 the person who actually owned this exquisite home in the desert, this very, very lovely, uh, very, very gay man who's a very, very good friend of Vivian's, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very gay <laughs> and very, very good friend of Vivian's and, 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 and her home. And Mark knows him. He's a wonderful guy. I've met him. He's lovely. And he was married to this other very, very gay man uh, who used to own that house with him, who's also a very good friend of Vivian's. But they're not anymore. They've been divorced for about like two weeks, <laughs> these, uh -huh. these, these guys. And they're, but they're both at this wedding. <laughs> and, they, and, they're, oh. and, and it's like dueling microphones with these guys for how much they love Vivian. I love Vivian. I met Vivian first. No, it was me. It was a no. I'm like, oh, my God. It's, it was funny. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. But it's cold as fuck. These guys are going on. I got the Portuguese family over here, and I'm thinking five stances. <laughs> Mark, and I gave him a hug. I said, wait, won't you this beautiful poem? We're going to put it in a golden <laughs> frame. 
and, and you, sir, are gonna are gonna read it to Vivian. Uh, and at some point, when you and Vivian uh, read it to Vivian, and, and Vivian will perhaps uh, read it in translation to her lovely family. And that's how <laughs> that's gonna go. <laughs> I'm not getting between those two guys. Oh, that's great. And it's, it's a whole thing. And, and, and of course, when you talk to Mark, he'll tell you all about. It. You know, it's funny because you just mentioned all of this stuff from the wedding and it was in Palm Springs and my head immediately went to the Andy Samberg film, Palm Springs and that oh, wedding. And that wedding. We, not quite there, <laughs> <laughs> but it was wonderful. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Uh, but and my sister happened to be in town and she was with me and, and she just thought it was all. all Aren't you glad stuff. you woke up this morning and you weren't back at the wedding? Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, and Palm Spring is only a couple hours drive yeah. from, you know, from, from, from where we live in LA. But, you know, we made it a day trip to go there, go back because my sister had to go back. So anyway, that's what happened at the wedding. Beautiful wedding. Marcus married. First marriage. And it is just a wonderful thing. Fantastic. Very happy for him. Dude, terrible situation with Jay. Oh my gosh. Jay Leno, uh, literally as of, I don't know, an hour ago before we, we recorded this, Jay Leno, it was announced that over the weekend, he, uh, he was burned severely when a car exploded into flames in his garage. And, mm. uh, that's all we know. We know that, uh, the left side of his face was burned. Mm. Uh, and we know that it did not hit his eye or his ear. That's the good news. It didn't, didn't penetrate mm. the eye or the ear because that could have been horrible. So um, yeah. we don't know, he, but he's being treated at a burn center. It's not critical or anything like that, um, but it's serious. So yeah, suffer serious burns, burns are. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, Jay, a big car guy, of course, big car know. guy. But uh, and you know, when we talk about Jay's garage, if you've seen the show Jay Leno's Garage, you understand that it's the, the word garage is used very symbolically and loosely. That Jay yeah. Leno's Garage is basically a gigantic warehouse in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Um, of a complex it's with lots and lots of cars from all kinds of eras it'll be interesting to see what happened uh, but yeah. yeah i won't cast any aspersions right now you and i were talking about it before the show but we'll we'll, we'll see what the uh, and and nobody nobody uh of note has died uh but uh but dave Chappelle went on uh. snl for the third time <laughs> ever and and uh man you know it's like dave just knows how to poke uh he knows how to poke the bear uh, I, I honestly, I thought that monologue was, I mean, here's what, here's what I took away from the show. And I haven't watched the show in like, you know, uh, I've watched it very sparingly since my daughter was born. I've watched it almost not at all in like the last six years or so. It's just, you know, well, I'm, I'm like you, I watch, I watch SNL in, in snippets on YouTube. Yes, now, exactly. I don't. I, I, I really never watch it as it's actually happening. But all anymore. my favorite cast members basically left. You know, anyone I wanted to follow was basically gone. Kate McKinnon gone. You know, and it, it, Kristen Wiig gone. It just doesn't. It's not interesting to me. And and I don't really much care for most of the new cast. Uh, I it just feels like the writing and the cast everything's gone stale. And uh, like, uh, you know, what's his face? The creator, producer of the of thing, Lauren, uh, Lauren yeah. Michaels, uh, you know, hasn't it feels like he's getting on in age and isn't really that <laughs> it's because he's almost 80. That might be why or uh, 70 anyway. Um, it, just, uh, it just, you know, we don't we don't. And plus the 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 uh, the pipeline that used to funnel those stars into big movie careers has kind of gone dry. I mean, if you think about it, since Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig. There, it's not really nobody's able to make much out of their celebrity on that show. 
Uh, yeah, certainly it, it, you can it, you can take it into a different world of celebrity that didn't used to exist before because you know the podcast and the this yeah. and that and and, uh, and television and, and what and, and television and all that kind of stuff. But the old school Eddie Murphy style Saturday Night Live movie star, uh, um, you know, um, uh, and we can, now, we, can, we can trace them. I mean, it it goes it goes from you know Chevy Chase and Bill Murray and um uh, steve martin uh all the way on to and steve martin only ever hosted he was never part of the cast but he's associated mm-hmm. with the show and chevy chase obviously you know huge and, and bill murray i think Rich, was was richard a, a legit and richard used to be on the show all the time you're talking early days early 70s yeah. uh, middle 70s now but i don't know if he, was he ever a legit cast member no prior prior is associated with the show in the same way steve martin is associated with the show which mm-hmm. is as a as a comic a relevant comic figure who is sort of uh rubbed elbows with it maybe is a better mm-hmm. way to put it. and yeah. then of course eddie murphy blew the doors off that you know it just became the biggest star that a show ever produced and then you know you follow that up with will ferrell and a few others and Kristen wig who all, who've all had really yeah. good careers but, but even, it just yeah. doesn't it doesn't feed the movie career anymore like it like it used to uh and um you know, some of them who tried didn't quite pull it off. Chris Kattan couldn't quite pull off the the film career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Andy Samberg has done okay. Adam Sandler, of course, had a giant career. You know, yeah, Chris Farley yeah, yeah. had a giant career. Um, Andy Samberg, kind of, you know, he he sort of came like Pete Davidson did. He came out of there at a time when that was downsizing, and he's wound up in a in mostly an indie direction, which seems to be where they're all funneling now. TV or indie. TV or indie, exactly, or, you know, or, or even, you know, even those niche or so. Hey, dude, yeah, Lauren, 77. I was kidding when I said he was almost 80. And so, I didn't even know that I wasn't kidding. <laughs> so then let's talk about, about Dave Chappelle's <laughs> monologue, which everyone thought he, oh, he's going to come out. He's going to like, it's going to be trans jokes galore. And you know what? He didn't go there. Instead, he went to Kanye and, and anti-Semitism. Yeah, and yeah, no, no. New, new, mad at him. New, 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 new stuff to talk about. Uh, and, 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 and this is what I will say again, the same thing that I said after the whole little trans thing that went down. And is that, uh, you know, this notion of cancelization, we, we, we just got to stop at that. First of all, it doesn't exist. I'll say it again. It doesn't exist. Dave is doing fine. Uh, if, if little groups of people want to get mad at Dave every time Dave says something that, you know, bugs them, rubs them the wrong way, whatever, they're really just blowing into the wind. And, 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 and making themselves look silly. And generally speaking, this is also what's true particularly with respect to Dave. Not everybody. Some people say really obnoxious things. Generally speaking, what they're getting mad about, there's nothing to be, there is nothing there to be mad about. You're, they're, they're having to find something to be mad about. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to be mad about. You know, uh, uh, your buddy Mark, Jewish, me a little bit Jewish. Uh, 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 there's nothing to be mad about. My buddy, um, my good buddy, uh, uh, um, Neil Cohen, uh, a TV writer way back, you know, I, I, so I hit Neil up and Neil, Neil's like, have you watched it? This is hysterical. Neil Jewish, yeah. you know, uh, at yeah. 70 years old, uh, wrote for 24, a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, look, it, it, that means that anyone who's upset about this, this is, a, this is a bunch of Jews I'm talking about too, too now, old Jews, young Jews, middle-aged Jews, <laughs> black Jews. None of us are upset about anything we hear on this show. So that means that if you're upset about something you hear on the show, you've had to decide to be upset about something that you've heard on the show. It's a decision that you've made. And I, I guess that's okay. Knock yourself out with that. But that shit was just funny, and me and a whole bunch of other Jews <laughs> find it real funny. It, so I, you know, there you go. I, you know, it's I, I recommend that people go and watch the monologue. I will I will not quote any of it because I can't possibly do it justice. I mean, I was just saying to somebody prior to this that 
you know, when I, cause I, I, I love the history of stand-up comedy. Like, you know, this, I, yeah. I, I am deeply, deeply passionate about the history of stand-up comedy because it's a very American art form. It's a very American art form and its history is really fascinating. And it has sort of two great strains that come up in the 1950s, which is, you know, Jewish Catskillian comedy. And then the, the black, uh, inner, inner city club comedy. And they mm -hmm. both come out of these, these histories of oppression at a moment when television is coming of age. And, and, you know, you can trace the black comics back to the Chitlin circuit. You can trace the Jewish comics through the Catskills back to vaudeville. And all of that kind of comes of age in the 1950s when television has live shows that need talent. And who mm -hmm. is better positioned than anybody else? Jewish and black comics. And that's how you get Dick Gregory. And that's how you get uh, Lenny, 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 uh, Lenny Bruce. And that's how you get Saul and Mort Saul. And that's how you get Godfrey Cambridge and Red exactly. Fox and, and uh, Bill Cosby and Jerry Lewis and, and Richard, Alan of course. King. And, and all of these, you know, all these guys come up at that time and in that moment. And that's in, and it's about 1958, 59. And, and then, you know, by the late sixties, they're all making movies and TV shows and it's a different world. And, uh, I, you know, that whole history to me is so, so fascinating. And, um, in, you know, out of all of that, the king of timing has always been Jack Benny. Jack Benny is the guy. <laughs> you know, comic timing is an art. You got to know how long to stretch that silence before you drop the comedy. Because there's a moment during which an audience anticipates and you have to you have to sort of hit it at not too soon, not too late. And Jack Benny was a guy who could stretch those silences out almost to the breaking point before he just hit you with something that made you die. Mm -hmm. But I'll tell you. Nobody has come close to Jack Benny's sense of comic timing since, except for Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's comic timing is, it's just instinctually incredible. And if you watch his shows, you will see that it's when and where and how long he pauses and what he does during that pause. During the pauses involves rolling his face. eyes. That's all, that whole Jack Benny thing. Jack used me out. Jack used to do the thing. With him, yeah. and he would look over yeah. his shoulder. Dave has got all kinds of crap going on on his face. So much going on while he's waiting. While he's <laughs> you know, waiting. While he's it's, waiting. It, I mean, he's an artist. It, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to behold. And uh, you know, it's always interesting when he hosts SNL or has other TV appearances where there are standards and practices to take into account, uh, like <laughs> on Chappelle's show. And you know, he has to tamp it down a little bit. How does he do? And you know what? He just, he nails it. He always nails it. So I yeah. thought it was, I thought it was so funny, especially that last sketch, the, uh, the, and I'll just go ahead and say it, the black heaven sketch. Oh, it's, was, it's, it's, it was <laughs> absolutely pure genius. And it was clearly something that they would never have done had, had Dave not come in there and made the suggestion of doing it, but it was so funny. And, and 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 I think if I'm not mistaken, yeah, I mean, I, I, if one or two of the um, uh, uh, trans uh, oh the right the writing right, staff, right, writing yeah, staff, writing yeah, staff, yeah, decided not to participate. Hey, look, man, uh, go do your thing. Yeah, yeah, you know, take take the week off or write for somebody else. <laughs> go do your thing, uh, 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 and you know, because you know, because hey, nobody's trying to mess with nobody. Um, uh, but we, we're going to have a show and Dave's going to be the host, you know, and, 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 and I, I haven't seen the ratings yet, but I think we all know they're through the roof. Yeah. We, you, 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 look, <laughs> you know, what's funny about all of this as we, as we, you know, you, you, you sort of 
sort out the political stuff that just went down. You know, we just had the midterms and, and it's this, that, and the other thing all is going on. I keep, I keep pointing out to, to, to folks that, you know, as much of a mess as our nation seems to be in terms of our unity, in some ways, we are very, 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 very unified. Uh, there are certain things about which we all agree. One of them is generally speaking, Dave Chappelle is funny as hell. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, and he's probably going to make somebody or another a little mad. Uh, uh, but you know what? You weren't mad last week when he made the other people mad. (laughs) So, so, so just, 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 just just get over over yourself. Carlin made people mad. Lenny Bruce made people mad. Uh, Richard made people mad. Richard, you know. Uh, and, 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 and I love all of the people you just mentioned because all of them really just would not, would not abide by the foolishness. No. They just won't participate. No. <laughs> they, they won't. No. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to participate in any of your foolishness. <laughs> and I'm going to say what I got to say. <laughs> Hopefully it will be funny. If it's not, I'm going to tell another joke. Um, uh, and, and we're going to keep plowing that way until, in, in, until whatever. Uh, so, so good work on their part. Excuse me for the call. All right. No, it's all good. Get get a drink of water. Let's let's uh, let's dip into uh, the DVD and Blu-ray world. Uh, why don't we start with uh, let's start with Criterion. Oh, wicked! Oh, I see Malcolm. I see Malcolm X there. Oh my gosh! Yes. Uh, the the big beautiful Criterion of the week uh, is uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X in a 4K custom uh, Blu-ray uh, 4K uh, combo set. Uh, which I remember you and I remember our old friend, Tom Quinn. Oh yeah. From the old Thomas days. Quinn, and then, you know, yeah. Tom Quinn had a uh, public access show way back when we all wrote for entertainment today. And Tom, <laughs> I remember the year that this came out, that would be, uh, 92. Yeah. Gosh, Tim, 30 years ago. Yeah, uh, man. It, and Tom had us, uh, as guests on that show. And, and if memory serves, I think we all talked about our number one film of the year. And I want to say all three of us thought it was Malcolm X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I, I, I remember. I have well, I, I literally have the the, the that what who were we writing for? Uh, I guess it would have been Entertainment Today. I literally have the clipping from '92 on the wall with Malcolm X at the top of it. It's one of the few that I've kept over the years. Uh, uh, wow. Is, I mean, I still think this is. A, and I know, like for example, we talked about Ray earlier. Ray has some problems with the film, which he feels it's the same problem that he has with with Gandhi. Ray always wants a biopic to be a little bit, you know, grungier than they are. Um, but you know what? They're documentaries. I still think this is a, this is for my money, probably Spike Lee's best film. I think it's absolutely tremendous. Um, it recreates the period perfectly. Denzel could not be better cast. And the 4k is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. The audio is fantastic. Um, and there are wonderful extras on here, just gobs and gobs of extras. There's an audio commentary originally recorded in 2005 with Spike Lee, uh, Ernest Dickerson, and Barry Alexander Brown, the editor, along with Ruth Carter, his uh, Oscar-winning costume designer. And uh, there are new interviews with Delroy Lindo, Terrence Blanchard, who, of course, wrote the score, the amazing score. Uh, there's a making of uh, feature uh, featurette here. There are uh, there's another feature-length documentary. Uh, that's narrated by James Earl Jones, deleted scenes. I mean, there's just a ton here. You could spend half the day watching the movie, which is uh, already long. It's, mm. uh, you know, over three hours long. It's about three, uh, three and a quarter. And uh, you could then just watch about three or four more hours of extras and not get tired of it. I think this is a tremendous film. Uh, this is my pick of, of HD 
4K Blu-ray UHD, 4K UHD Blu-ray of the week. Mm -hmm. This is this is it. Malcolm X, tremendous from Criterion. Unbelievable. Yeah, wow. The uh, uh, features. Uh, Anything in particular? Spike on there? Commentary? Uh, uh, Spike's Uh, uh, all over. I mean, feature featurettes, interviews, uh, documentaries. You know, the uh, the commentary. He's all over this thing. He's all over it. I'm glad Barry Alexander Brown's on here too because he's edited most of spike's films he's a really cool guy i he yeah. directed one film one little indie film in the early 90s i interviewed him for that at the time and uh i wish he'd have gone on to do more directing work because i think he's he's got some he's got some real chops but uh yeah he had a decent doc a couple of three four five years ago that's right, too, he did. uh that i yeah. remember i see i see i see that infernal affairs infernal affairs trilogy yeah that so that is uh also out this week this is also a really big deal uh it's not 4k that's my only that's my only um beef with this but it is uh this is you know the infernal affairs trilogy by uh andrew lau and alan mack is is legendary so everybody probably already knows if you don't you should that this is the basis of the departed which won best picture the scorsese Mm. film but the departed is is not even close to this trilogy uh this trilogy is unbelievable and it's and and what it does especially in the in the third film which is like this rashman kind of revisiting of the story from a different point of view it's really amazing uh everything about these three films is sort of mind-blowing and and they just you you got to see them all they're really really impressive um uh so anyway this is a new 4k restoration but it's on blu-ray so it's 4k down uh taken down to uh hd uh great dts audio and uh some very very cool uh extras on here um you know archival interviews with uh, everybody you know with the directors and with the actors and uh there's all kinds of making of stuff behind the scenes footage deleted scenes outtakes all that stuff is on here it's just really really great but the one thing i really really want to give some uh, a, a great shout out to is this beautiful, beautiful essay by our colleague, our Lafka colleague, uh, Justin. Um, mm. Justin Chang of the LA Times does the essay here. They really doll it up beautifully. And it's it's just a perfect essay. It is a perfect appreciation for this trilogy of films and outlines exactly why they are so important. So I would say if mm. you're going to do anything, read Justin's essay first, then watch the movies. Set aside a good half day, watch these movies, then watch Malcolm X. There is a there is a there is a Infernal Affairs podcast. Is it uh, really? Yeah, I think it's called. Uh, and people can look at it, a trilogy trilogy Infernal Affairs, uh, something like that, or you, you like that. But it's a podcast, and and all they talk about are those movies. <laughs> These two guys. They, they, that's uh, all they talk I, about. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's some, there's some really great movies. I mean, it's <laughs> it's sort of one of the all time great, you know, cop and crime sagas. It's it's just tremendous. I mean, it's it's really really great. Uh, the other the other the third monster criterion this week is uh, is kind of historic. It's Andrew Stanton's uh, Pixar classic Wally, mm. which uh, the LA film critics shockingly in 2008 gave best picture of the year. I I remember being in that meeting and. Everybody kind of looked at everybody at the end. We're like, did we just give Wally best picture? Mm-hmm. Like we were all okay with it, but I don't think anybody re- even thought it would happen. It just came out of the blue. Yeah. But uh, Wally is a beautiful film. I-, I like the first part of it more than the last part, but I've grown to appreciate the last part more. Anyway, it's uh Wally's beautiful film. The little, how did, how, did, how, how did it hit hero? How does it hit, hit hero? Hero likes it, but she hasn't watched it since she was probably four or five. And it's mm. been a number of years. So, 
we may want to watch it again and see how that how it plays. Uh, it's 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 a it's not thing um, uh, that uh, the documentary um, uh, Goodnight Oppie um, yeah. is is you know sort of making the rounds of the, the right now. It's a wonderful documentary about the opportunity spirit and opportunity. The two rovers went to Mars and the opportunity lasted fifteen years. And, and of course, when you look at opportunity uh, and then you look at Wally, yeah. uh, you're like, okay, wait a minute. Here. And there's a dynamic uh, that's, that's there. And, uh, it's, 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 it's funny, uh, though, but in watching that, that doc, it made me pop Wally in and, yeah. and, 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 and look at that. And, and I'm like, hmm, interesting, uh, how, cause you know me, I don't care for the anthropomorphization of yeah. pretty much anything. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, both of those, th- this film and, and Goodnight Oppie, they, they both get me. They both get me. Well, what's interesting to me about this is that this is Disney. And Disney and Pixar, Disney Pixar, have never released anything through Criterion ever. Uh, at least not in like the last, I mean, certainly not in 4K. But I mean, I'm trying to go back. I'm thinking, did they, was there ever anything early days of, you know, Criterion and Blu-ray that they may have? And I don't think there was. I think this is certainly in this generation mm-hmm. of, of Disney. This is the, this is a first. So I don't know if this is the first of more to come, but it is fascinating that they would f- license this to Criterion and it's loaded. I mean, there, this is so loaded. Uh, the Pixar story, the 2007 documentary is on here. And then there are just, you know, there's like a, a dozen and a half other uh, featurettes and documentaries about everything and interviews. It's just on and on and on. I mean, it really gets very detailed and you find out all kinds of fascinating intricacies of how the film was conceptualized and planned and executed. And it's just it's really beautiful. You learn how Pixar works mm. uh, and the 4K is, you know, stunning, as you would expect. Uh, the last three criterions. So one is funny that this gets minimized this week is also a 4K. It's 4K of Jane Campion's Oscar-winning mm. Power of the Dog. She won Best Director last year mm. for this. Uh, mm. So that's now out on a Criterion Blu-ray, also loaded with great uh, extras, behind-the-scenes footage, interview. You know, you talk to Campion, talk to her her DP, <coughs> Kirsten Dunst. It's all really interesting. Your, your appreciation mm. of the film will probably increase having watched this. Uh, so that is really, really beautiful. Mm. And then uh, we also have Daisies, which is the utterly compelling, powerful, mm. fascinating 1966 um, Czech New Wave masterpiece, Vera. which uh, has been out before in uh, DVD. It's now out in Blu-ray. Uh, if you're a fan of the Czech New Wave, you definitely got to see this. It's not loaded with extras. It's got a documentary on it, but and a couple of short films and, and not much else. But um it's it's a it's a pretty great film. It's uh it's kind of very archetypical of the Czech New Wave, but it's sort of like the cream of the crop. It really is. It's a it's a beautiful film, and uh, very very prescient in many ways relative mm-hmm. to what's happening today. Mm-hmm. And then Wong Kar Wai uh, in oh. the mood for love, mm-hmm. which has previously been released in the big Wong Kar Wai box set, and I'm sure everyone's going to be really really upset to find out that it is now out uh, in a solo 4K release. That's going to make some for some people to make some difficult choices but i'm mm. sorry you just gotta live a little uh in the mood for love pure poetry also available uh on tap on the criterion channel but it is uh one of the most beautifully photographed films of the last 20 or 30 years and uh i can't believe it's 22 years old now that really makes me mm. depressed but it's a beautiful yeah. film and uh, fantastic christopher doyle cinematography and there it is it's out in a 4k fantastic fantastic man uh, where are we going? Let's go to the regular 4Ks. Uh, shall we start? Paths, the, 
of glory is that the seventh is that a part of the regular four case that yes, pass of glory is. so is, yeah, is that the is that the new one that's in theaters now or the is, or the so the so the the 4k releases from kino they've got the trilogy of early uh kubrick films on 4k ah. these are the uh these are the 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 uh, the kubrick harris the early kubrick harris films that really kind of launched his career pre lolita pre spartacus and uh, they are all very, very solid in 4K. They don't have a ton of extras, to be honest. There are, are, are some commentaries on here, um, you know, different different commentary each time. Tim Lucas does a very solid commentary for Paths of Glory. It's solid. It's, mm. you know, not not brilliant. Uh, some brilliant commentaries coming up later I'm going to make mention of. Really brilliant. But uh, The Killing <laughs> has a commentary. Tim knows what I'm talking about. The, yeah. the Killing has a commentary by Alan K. Road, which is very good. Uh, really gets into a lot of the nitty gritty of the story and the you know the, the 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 Jim Thompson origin and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, Image and Sarah Smith does the commentary for Killer's Kiss. So that's Killer's Kiss, The Killing, and Paths of Glory. Mm. Killer's Kiss is still a pretty raw film, honestly. It's you know 1955. It's sort of mm. Kubrick's first real feature. It mm. was after. Uh, Fear and Desire after, you know. I always like love Padre. Frank Silva. Uh, yeah, right? He's Fra scary. He's just oh. scary. <laughs> Kill Killer's, oh, Killer's Kiss and The Killing in particular um, are are really, really interesting. It's, you know, there's a lot of James B. Harris in these things. You know, that brings me to something, too. And let me just mention Paths of Glory, which is a beautiful film, uh, but still more a Kirk Douglas movie than a, than a, a Kubrick movie. It's kind of mm -hmm. their predecessor to spartacus mm -hmm. but you know there was a documentary on james b harris that was being put together by our good friend fx feeney when fx feeney passed mm -hmm. and we really should look into what happened to that film and see where it is and where the elements are and how far they got because you know uh, fx knew harris and was had worked quite a while on making that happen and, and that would be a real tragedy if that if that just kind of fell apart and never saw the light of day so mm. we might want to raise that that question with the group anyway yeah. wonderful trio of uh, of uh, classic blu-rays there tim let's talk about nope for a second the the third jordan peele film yeah yeah a little in. a little um a little uh people are a little bit more split about the, that film than, yeah. than, than get out and and, and 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 us i happen to like it quite a lot there's a whole lot of references inside nope to 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 too many interesting things uh some of them sort of related to the black community but some of them just sort of like deep knowledge horror movie stuff yeah uh, uh and uh and, and and tv horror stuff and if you if you sort of like get all that it makes it a more interesting film i particularly love kiki Com kiki palmer's performance uh you know the the sassy little sister uh, to that very laconic Daniel Kaluuya, you know, So I, I I still like this film quite a lot. Beautifully designed film. Uh, what's what's on that? What's on? What do you got there? Four uh, K. So it's it's got uh, it's got making of stuff on it, and it's uh, got a like an hour long behind the scenes kind of doc featurette, whatever you want to call it. An hour. It's you know kind of in between the two, and deleted scenes and gag stuff. Uh, so it's not overly loaded with extras. It is a it's a beautiful transfer, though. And uh, one of the things that, you know, when I saw this or so there, you know, you watch this in in a streaming format. It's really done a disservice there. We've mm. recently been sent uh, a, a streaming and, and I would say even the movies anywhere version of this film. This is best scene, uh, absolutely best scene for all of the night stuff in 4K with the disc, like pop the disc in. 
because mm-hmm. the, the blacks are so crisp. And yeah, they're, they're CGI blacks in many cases, you know, the way, I mean, there's a lot of CG and visual effects in this thing. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. hard to know exactly where one leaves off, but the nighttime stuff that, that requires use of shadows and darks really needs to have a 4k TV and a 4k mm-hmm. Blu-ray to, to, because otherwise everything gets crushed and chalky and you can't really see the detail. And you sort of need to see the detail in those scenes because there's all mm-hmm. kinds of neat little things that sort of peek out and, and do things. So um, that's why I think that the, really, the, if you didn't see it in a, in a theater, you have to get the 4K disc. Uh, otherwise, you're going to miss all kinds of stuff. But I mean, the story, we should say, is rather interesting. It's about a, a brother and sister, Daniel mm-hmm. and Kiki Palmer, who run a, uh, a ranch where th- for movie horses. These are horses. Yeah, they run. Hey, horse wranglers. Yeah. yeah. And, and they are descended from, in the narrative of the film, the jockey who rode the horse in the very first piece of film ever mm-hmm. filmed, right? The What's famous his name Mul Mul Mulridge uh, Mulridge, the Edward Mulbridge film, Mulridge, yeah, and, and, yeah. The, and the guy who rode the the horse in that you know very very successful black jockey of the era. So the mm-hmm. idea is that they are his descendants and they're sort of carrying on the the tradition, and um, uh, you know, so that part of it is interesting, and there and then there's like a. And an old timey TV story, which deals with, you know, uh, Stephen Yun, who's like yeah. a used to be a TV star. And now he runs a weird yeah, yeah. kind of he a little, when he was a little boy. I, and, and that series, I, I, that series took place in like, what, the 80s or 90s? It'd be, it would be like the 90s, I think. 90s, because he was a little boy when the series happened. But the thing is, you know, there, there's like the this. There's a whole kind of extraterrestrial thing happening, which yeah. everybody should know by now. And then there's the oh, Stephen yeah. Yun thing with mm-hmm. with the chimp, and then there's like oh, the family thing, and and I never quite felt like those three things kind of uh, got into the same orbit. You know, they mm-hmm. they sort mm-hmm. of I I they were there's st- the movie ended, and I didn't feel the satisfaction that I felt with the two previous films, where I was like, all right, now it all came together. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the thing, no, no, I can understand I, that, yeah. I'm not sure it was meant to. I don't Is think it was meant to. They overlap the, in character, uh, and, and 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 even within some of the narrative, they sort of overlap. There's a thing uh, 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 that 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 he's that he's that he's talking about that has to do with outsiders, uh, yeah, which is sort of you know relevant to Kalia and and Kiki and relevant to Daniel, to uh, Stephen Jung and his characters and uh, you know, and, but they they mostly on, only overlap in character. Yeah, uh, but not so much in, uh, in in that way of where oh, this is what's going on. Yes, exactly. um, uh, a sort of sort of thing, and uh, and 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 I get it. It's 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 it can leave you a little a, a little a little loose there. But 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 generally speaking, for me, I was so satisfied by by those little nods too. Yeah. Hey, did you knows? Jordan does a whole lot of hey, yeah. did you knows in, inside his movies. Yeah, uh, and uh, and uh, and and those those are sort of satisfying to me. I, I really those are th- I will say th- those are very satisfying. Yeah, uh, and then we got uh, the movie of the year so far, more or less. Uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Ooh, yeah. Tom Cruise here, nearly forty years after the original, and it's his biggest film of all time. I don't know that that kind of a phenomenon has ever happened before. He is, in fact, our last movie star. Top Gun mm-hmm. Maverick. I. Didn't like the original Top Gun when I saw it. I've gotten older and, 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 and you know, I may be uh, less critical, but I really had a blast with this movie. I had so much fun with it. Uh, it's just, you know, basically the same movie as before, except uh, he's now he's older. He's still Maverick. He's got all kinds of problems with authority like he always did. And 
Val Kilmer's moved on to become, you know, an admiral and uh, Tom Cruise is still, you know, punky kid. And mm-hmm. he's still, you know, now he has to lead this group of new kids to go fight this new potential nuclear threat in some kind of uh, North Koreanistan <laughs> in uh, Russia. It's not quite clear who it is, is it? Yeah, it doesn't really make any difference, does it? No. Uh, uh, it's, it's just so- it could be Switzerland and, for all we know. Look, it's 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 uh, thoroughly uh, enjoyable, uh, for sure. Beautifully done. Shot Joe, what, Kaczynski. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, and, um, uh, you know, and, and, and a lot of leftover story uh, stuff from Jack Epps Jr., who I think is not with us anymore, and Jim Cash and those guys. But um, uh, and a great, 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 great cast. Jennifer Connelly, sexy as hell. Miles Teller, sexy as hell. You know, and it's not like, oh, this all of the look. A lot of times these movies, the one I'll give you is that Independence Day. That's the yeah. Independence Day sequel they made where they're trying to leave the original characters behind. You know, Will is dead, I think. Yeah. And, uh, and I, you know, I think Tyra Banks signed you. So this movie is not trying to leave anybody behind. This yeah. movie is bringing everybody who was in that other movie that you loved with us. <laughs> and they're all still badasses. And now we got a whole bunch of new badasses, but they're not replacing our other badasses no. because that would have pissed me off. I mean, guys like we, me and you, that, that would have pissed me off. This, this totally. guy. Yeah. But, but no, they're like, no, everybody's still hot and sexy, baby. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and we're making a new movie. And I love that about this film. It is loaded with extras too. 80 minutes of stuff behind the scenes, just over and over and over. It's just really great, really fascinating. And it's very, and it's fun because they understand that, you know, uh, it's all about sort of enhancing the movie. Uh, E.T., e. the extraterrestrial, out in a standalone uh, 40th anniversary with mm. uh, edition 4K UHD. All kinds of new uh, special features. Nothing really, really that uh, requires upgrading. Mm. E.T. has been out before in 4K. So this kind of uh, it's you don't need to double dip here. Mm. Um, oh, we can't talk about E.T. without mentioning the Fablemans. Yes, a that's a, we we won't ruin it or nothing. But have you have you seen the Fablemans? Oh yeah, you, you that's right. We we talked a little bit about this. We didn't get mm. into into detail. I think we both. Uh, everyone else mm. is going nuts about. Oh it. Think, yeah, man. I think you and I have some reservations. Well, the title is extremely appropriate. This is a fable, and 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 that's okay because because you know, but but but. but at the at this exact moment, though, uh, uh, James Gray has a film out called uh, Armageddon Time. Yeah, um, which is also you know more or less the Fablemans is sort of loosely the Steven Spielberg. This was the life that I had that led me to becoming Steve, Steven Spielberg's story, yeah. mostly kind of sorta you know yeah. thus Fablemans. But James Gray's movie Armageddon Time uh, is is a film that I like far and away better because I think it's a far and away more honest film. It's not it's not a personal celebration like Spielberg recently lost his parents, both of them in mm-hmm. past however many years. And and so this is a very much a sort of a personal celebration, a personal memoir. Mm. James isn't isn't, you know, putting himself up on a billboard. James no. is saying something from there. There are there are things that happened in my past in the 1980s is growing up that I think are worth addressing. So it's not about him. He is in the middle of it. But what he is in the middle of is more important than him. Whereas yeah. in the Fablemans, what he is in the middle of is in fact him. 
Yeah, and, the, 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 the making of a myth. Yes. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and maybe, and maybe there and there, therein lies the difference. You know, James is not a myth and, 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 it, but he's, so, so I look at these two films and I, and all I know is like, I came away from Armageddon time infinitely more satisfied and feeling like somebody had told me a true story, a true ish yeah. story. Uh, I come away from the Fablemans and, and, and I feel like, Hey, um, I, 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 I absolutely believe uh, that, you know, events uh, here happened and are true, but, 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 but I still feel like nobody, I haven't been told a true story. I feel like I haven't been told, told a true story when I come away from the fable. That's, that's and, the way and, I would sum it up. And what's weird about this is that I am not right now flashing back to a particular day uh, in about 1990 when I was uh, on, uh, on the set 1990 it would have been about 1990 yeah mm-hmm. when i was on the set of matt reeves uh thesis film at usc talking to james about the steven spielberg biography that i had just read and it's very weird now seeing these two films because i know a lot of these stories from james's past right we mm-hmm. talked about it mm-hmm. and and uh, of course i know a lot of the stories from spielberg's life because they're in those bios but it was very it's very weird thinking back to that moment and now these two films Mm. Very strange. We're talking about E.T., of course. Uh, yes. it, but I got to tell you, this film, E.T., the, you know, the, the, the DVD you're working with there, the, the, the 4K, and uh, Close Encounters and uh, Catch Me If You Can, if you can and um, uh, to me, those films collectively, and I think I'm leaving something out, I, I believe have informed me more about Steven Spielberg. Than than the Fablemans. Okay. I, I I know way more about Stephen from having seen those films. I'm leaving something out. Than 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 I feel like you're going to get about him from the Fablemans, which I think is just sort of ironic, considering that's supposed to be sort of you know well let me trans- autobiographical. Let, let me transition then. What does uh, Three Thousand Years of Longing tell you about George Miller? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, uh, look, um, 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 absolutely nothing, really. Um, uh, and 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 I, this film, it just it did it did not it did not, well. It's it's adapted for for one thing from from yeah. from, from, from that from that uh, AS uh, buy it thing. And and so maybe that's what it is. It's not George Miller writing. You know, like it's when a he's short. Writing. It's a short story. Is that what uh, it is? Yeah, it's adapted from a short story, but I'm not quite like I've not read the short story. No, I, me I, and and I feel like having seen this, I I still don't know what the short story is about. Mm. I um this this movie's kind of all over the place. I mean, it's you know, yeah. Tilda Swinton and and uh, Idris Elba. Tilda Swinton is you know, she's in Istanbul, and Idris Elba is a genie, and you know, gives her three wishes, and I mean, there's a whole. If you think like, all right, she's a woman and his genie and three wishes, and that's sort of a traditional thing. And then it goes into all kinds of different directions that I didn't see coming, and I'm not sure I like them. Um, it's dazzling to look at. I mm. just don't quite think I understand it, <laughs> to be honest. Mm. Um, might need to watch it again. Do, do, I mean, you know, sometimes I think George Miller just reads things and says, I'll bet I, you know, that sounds like a great challenge at this stage in my career. Let's see if I can make that real. Yeah, yeah that's, he, that's what this feels like. It's, it's, you know, it's exhilarating to watch, but, but again, I feel like, um, um, as opposed to any of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Mad Maxi sort of stuff. Yeah. 
where he is building that narrative from the ground up. That's and it. there's this connective tissue, uh, a through line connective tissue with it all. This has just a framework that already exists, you know, this sort of, you know, a gin story. And, uh, and I just don't, don't feel like it, 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 it's going anywhere or has any sort of direction that's his. This is the story I'm going to tell. I don't know. That's the way it looks. And then we got Brad Pitt in uh, Bullet Train 4K UHD, uh, which Mark saw before I saw it. And I I said, well, what'd you think? So I was kind of looking forward to it because it looked like my kind of movie. And Mark Mark said he called it the worst Quentin Tarantino movie never made. (laughs) It's exhausting, this movie. The worst movie that Quentin Tarantino never made. Uh, Yeah, exhausting. Why? Um, uh, There's... All kinds of things going on. There's, there's on a train. There are assassins removed between, you know, all kinds of things going on. It's nonstop. Uh, everybody is, 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 uh, quipping and, and, and corping and, and, and all that kind of stuff, including, including, uh, you know, Brad in, in this movie. And it's, and, and it all adds up to absolutely nothing. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it literally is just that on a train. There's a narrative, but who cares? Uh, it's just, it's just a bit piece and set piece. To bit piece and set piece. Somebody says something funny, fight, 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 moving on. Uh, and we do it again. And then we got a very strange DC animated movie on 4K. Uh, respectable, but still strange. It is uh, Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons. Mm. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, 11 year old Jonathan Kent and Damian Wayne. Uh, in this very curious story, um, about you know the sons of Batman and Superman, and they have to somehow you know team up to save the day. And there's this alien, and it's a, you know it 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 feels like um it feels like something that should probably have been. I don't know, like a like a Saturday morning series in 1983. Mm. Uh, it just doesn't. I don't know. It's maybe I'm too old to to even enter this world. But the, just from a premise standpoint, it didn't quite go there for me. Uh, also in 4K is a Best Buy exclusive steelbook of mm. uh, Punisher Warzone. Mm. I also not really my speed. I think the reason this is a Best Buy exclusive is because they know their audience and they know the people who go kind of troll the halls at Best Mm. Buy are more likely to get this than than anybody who is marketed directly to online. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, good cast: Ray Stevenson, Dominic West, Julie Benz. Yeah, you know, where does this live in the in in, in the Punisher uh, universe? I mean, because you know, there's the Punisher. I lost track. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, the I've kind of lost track of where the Punisher has been going because there's been animated Punisher and live action Punisher and the Punisher TV series. It was part of the uh, the the uh, the 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 whole um, yeah, the whole thing. Daredevil, Cage, and Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones universe, and then. You know, you had the uh, the Scott Glenn Punisher at one point, and then you had the Dolph Lundgren Punisher, and I've just completely lost track. There's just too much yeah. Punisher. Yeah. <coughs> but uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess for fa- for fans. Uh, then the 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 last 4K that we've got here, at least non television related 4K, is uh, from Blue Underground. This is the first ever 4K Ultra HD from uh, Blue Underground. It is Henry Miller's Quiet Days in Clichy. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm going to assume that most people have probably never heard of this, but no. uh, it is this is one of those 4Ks that comes out and you go, well, good on them. That's pretty great. Um, 
so the this was this is a scandalous film from that period in kind of the late yeah. 60s and early 70s which coincides with things like i am curious yellow and mm-hmm. you know when the censorship regime was really falling apart and everything and anything could go in movies and you had you know uh midnight cowboy getting rated x and winning best picture and it's just it was a scandalous moment and um henry miller of course you know no rather yeah. notorious Tropical. figure yeah tropic of yeah. cancer tropic of capricorn all that stuff the wonderful uh, subject of uh henry and june of course uh, yes. uh, uh who's who's film philip kaufman's film a couple of years when did, in oh, the, what early about 1990 i think about 1990 yeah gosh well henry miller wrote the the novel that quiet days and cliche yeah. is based on uh yeah. and uh, so this is this is based on that and it's a still a pretty scandalous novel and they made a movie of it and in 1970, the only prints were seized by the U.S. government because for the same reason they seized the prints of I'm Curious Yellow. It violates obscenity laws and so forth and so on. And of course, in the end, the courts, you know, said that's all bogus and both movies were va- able to be released along with a lot of others. Hmm. Um, but nonetheless, it it sort of disappeared from the conversation around that time. So um, it's here it is. It's back again. Directed by Jens Jürgen Thorsen, mm. like I'm Curious Yellow, the Swedes were the ones who were breaking all this stuff down. Thorsen, not really a significant filmmaker independent of this film, but it has some great songs by Country Joe McDonald, who was interviewed on here, and it's really good stuff. Uh, so, you know, you got deleted scenes, you got a Blu-ray on here, the second Blu-ray disc that has all the extras on it, interviews, and all this kind of uh, deleted scenes, and you know, the original trailer, and all that kind of stuff. But um, you know, as a snapshot of, you know, sort of bohemian life mm. in that late 60s, early 70s moment, uh, you know, set in against Paris, this beautiful Parisian backdrop mm. and all of this debauched lifestyle that's going on. Uh, it's it's really, really uh, a fascinating snapshot in time, beautifully photographed, incredible just crystallization of a moment in a culture and uh snapshot in time and blue underground has done us a real service by digging this up and saying we're gonna put this on 4k and uh, so quiet days in cliche is is quite a uh, quite an archival gem mm. uh let's see we could do new films we could get to some archival stuff we could do tv let's do let's do a little tv i'll, I'll all right I'll, I'll scroll down i've been sort of keeping up a little bit uh could, with could, some, could i ask you first off stuff. tim cogshell yeah. The Flash, the complete eighth season. Uh, on Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, I've fallen out of love. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, the, 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 the narrative stuff, the character stuff, the sort of uh, the through line stuff for The Flash has gotten really wacky uh, and, um, and, and, and enforced and, and just all of that, I can say. I, you know, I, I watched The Flash for the sort of family dynamic stuff, and this is what they did manage to do in that season is they managed to, to, to drag every incarnation of the flash family dynamic, his dead mother, Nora, yeah. who's, who's, who's actually, who's, who comes back because she's the flash, something. Oh, she's time, one of the, one of the, the time forces. forces, one of the time forces. Yeah, the, yeah. And they, and they get all, they get the old flash, you know, Kelly, uh, you, know, you bag the guy with the, the guy with the helmet and, the, and, and yeah, yeah. they get the other flash and they've, and they figured out how to bring uh thon back. Into, yeah, I'm like, okay, okay. I, so we're just going to drag everybody back to the show. Both, both thons. Both thons, you know. They both come uh, back. 
And I'm like, so I'm, as I'm watching that season, this season, that season, that's what I'm, 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 I'm mostly enjoying. Cause you know, for me, the flash was always real. Look, whatever is with the, with, with the stuff that's going on. I just love the it's flash. Barry and Iris. It's still it's Barry, Barry and Iris. Iris. It's Barry and Iris and dad and, 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 the, the, and their kids that they haven't had yet, but are still 25 <laughs> years old. And, <laughs> no. It's like, you know, I keep thinking every time those kids come back with some new problem from the future, if I'm Barry and Iris, I'm looking at each other, we're like, you know, we just, uh, let's just not have them. <laughs> you know, if we didn't have these kids, if we, if we just decided to not have children, like right now, all we wouldn't have any of these moments. will go away. Because I keep thinking that too. I'm like, if we can fix this, kids, <laughs> mom, if we screw things up in the future, God damn it! <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you kids? What did we, what did we do wrong? Uh, uh, anyway, God. but I know, I know, you're not so nutty about the uh, the last season yeah. or two of the Flash. It's, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I, it was a struggle for me to get through this season. I got through every episode as I have the previous, but it's more like a milestone now. I'm like, all right, I've never missed an episode of The Flash. I'm going to keep watching these damn things no matter how bad they get. If it goes to 20 <laughs> seasons, I am going to suffer through this damn thing. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it kind of was all over the map. Um, I, I feel like the writers don't really care. Um, you know, but I, I keep hoping. And I also think they keep adding too many cast members. I got to be mm. honest, the, the Team Flash just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, which is one thing if it's all Team Flash. But the problem is everybody on it is a meta now. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, like Joe, right? Joe's the only one who's not a meta. Like yeah, his wife's a meta like, and his yeah. daughter's a meta. I mean, you know. Anyway. That was all too, you're right. It's all too much, of course. It it's is. too much. Uh, but anyway, there it is. It's out there. It's on Blu-ray. Knock yourselves out. Uh, Walmart exclusive, that 70s show, uh, oh. complete series from Mill Creek. How do you think this ages, Tim? Um, is it, that's a, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good question. That 70s show ages fairly well for me because I watched it during its run. I think it started in about 98 or so. And, you know, I watched it most of the way uh, through that run. And for me, it was extremely nostalgic. And, you know, sort of, sort of completely. So for me, when I watch that 70s show, it's like I'm watching the show from the 70s. Some, you know, I, I don't even connect it to 1998 to 2006. Right. It's like, it's like, I'm, I'm yeah, and, uh, but there it is. A show that's uh, nigh on, uh, Close to twenty years old, you know, uh, season season one of that show. What do you what do you what do you think? Is it something you can pop I, in? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was never a huge fan of it originally. I I kind of grew to appreciate it in concept more than execution. Uh, I could tune in and go, all right, I kind of get what they're going for, but I'm not mm. going to ever really watch a full episode. So I I will return to it whenever we get stuff in. You know, I'll be like, oh, okay, let's let's take a look, see if I still feel the same way, and I kind of do. It, it's but it's not my speed you know it's not my kind of comedy but i understand the audience it's made for so i'm, I'm i try to be fair about that it's not that it's bad it's just not my thing you, you know you know what it is the character i like i'm not none of those kids i watched that show for kurt wood smith i agree i agree he played the dad him and his wife like i lived I, they, he was he he lived next door to me <laughs> that yeah. guy you know and i loved him he was wonderful he was good and me and him would talk because uh, he's like i wish my because his, his son uh, you know my good friend uh royally uh who was the same age as me and and but you know royally was you know a different kind of kid <laughs> you know and kurt would, would literally say to me uh i wish you were my kid my kid's stupid <laughs> and I'd be like, "Yo, man, you can't, you can't say shit like that. What am I supposed to say to that?" 
<laughs> no, yeah. and, and I and I am a Kurt Wood Smith fan. I mean, I from the time I first really became aware of him in Dead Poet Society, where he plays the dad, right? Oh yeah, he, he yeah. just beautiful uh, performance there, and then. He just switches at 180 degrees to become basically this horrible, vicious, mm. sadistic gangster kingpin in RoboCop. And I thought, RoboCop. Right, now I'm <laughs> going to pay attention to this guy. <laughs> I love Kurt uh, he's, he's for real. Kurtwood Smith, absolutely terrific character actor. Uh, let's talk about for a second uh, seasons one and two on Blu-ray of uh, Evil. Oh, yeah. Which I think is becoming a very, very interesting show. Uh, uh, yeah. Mike Coulter there. Mike Coulter. Did, did, they, did they move? Did they do something like move networks or something? What did they do with that? That, that show? It seems like that show was originally on ABC uh, and now it's, it's over it's, at Paramount Plus or something. So it's a CBS show. CBS show. Okay. It, it was originally CBS. They may have moved it to Paramount Plus. That might okay. be that it went moved from CBS to Paramount Plus, which they're doing with a few things. Uh, but I, what I really like about this is, uh, you know, I mean, Mike Coulter kind of kills it on this and oh, yeah. you see, uh, you see what they weren't really letting him do in, uh, in Luke Cage, he's able to do here. I mean, he's got a lot of layers to him as an actor. It's really, really quite interesting. Um, it, the, it, the, the reason I asked that question is because I notice because this is this is the most recent recent season, right? Uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. I, mean, and this is I noticed one and two, one and two on Blu-ray. They're out. One and two. Right about, yeah. Because season two is is like sexier, yeah, like a, a little more sweaty, uh, and uh, and and sticky, and uh, and the language is a little bit different. That's the reason why I think they that move may have made a difference. Everything got a little more I grown mean, up. And, and someone sure. understands this is this is kind of a very religiously based uh, series about the occult. It's a little bit yeah. like The Exorcist meets uh, the Da Vinci Code meets uh, I don't know Bones. Does that yeah, sound halfway yeah. decent? It's yeah, kind of a yeah, it's sort of yeah. a cross between all those things, but uh, but very nuanced and some very very interesting stuff here. And it doesn't get as exploitative as you might think uh, that it would. I like it better than those American horror stories. I do too. Um, you know, there are a lot of those, of course, but but uh, you know, only a couple of these. But 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 in terms of living in that spot, I like it better than the American horror stories, yeah. which are just sort of gory and and chop chop. And and and, and this is much more. The first season of this, you're you're the notion that it's working with is whether or not any of this is real. Yeah. Um. 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 um and and by the in the second season, yeah, it was real. <laughs> you, but what are we going to do about it? It's an interesting pairing, you know, because Coulter plays a guy who's who's uh, working to become a priest, working to get ordained, and he's teamed up with this psychologist played by uh, Katya Herbers, who I've never heard of before, who's amazing, yeah. who's just amazing. It gets yeah. really amazing in season two. Uh, it's a it's a really really interesting uh, dynamic between those two, it, and they're both very interesting kind of tormented characters. I think this is a, this is a cool show, and I'm eager to see where they take it, and I hope more people kind of find it because it's worth discovering. So that's Evil seasons one and two on blu-ray uh let's see what else uh, anything here that's jumping out at you that we should prioritize well let's see we hunt uh, together i i oh, think yeah. is in that stack of stuff you got yeah. got there uh uh the british series season and you two. know yeah season 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 two of that i enjoyed season one haven't haven't cracked open season two but there are a lot of british uh performers in that series uh that i just that i just like a lot and they pop up in all kinds of stuff uh charlene white and uh harmony cornfield just just uh, vicky pepperdine all these all these folks so season two uh yeah, what do you think about that colin morgan who was in um 
he was in a lot of he was in a lot of Doctor Who's. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I mean I I think this is a very int- this is basically from the same people who made Luther, uh, mm. and they're, they're they're it's kind of got a similar. It's a little bit darker than Luther, but it kind of lives in the same general procedural world. Uh, and, uh, you know, serial killers and very mm. intense, dark procedural stuff and, you know, just general British procedural. Um, but I like it. I think the writing is smart. I think it's uh, it, it has kind of a moral nuance that a lot of the American procedurals just don't have. Mm. And uh, I always appreciate that. It's It's almost more, you know, it's. It's less about whether they'll solve the crime and who's guilty than the process. And it's a very mm. interesting process. They really, they, that's, I find very, very compelling. Uh, as long as we're talking about uh, British shows, there's also the BBC's Shakespeare and Hathaway, Private Investigators, oh, yeah. which is kind of uh, cute and entertaining in a moonlighting, in a, in a Glenn <laughs> Gordon Karen way, right? Like uh, what he did with Moonlighting and, and Remington Steel. It's a little bit in the same kind of thing, except with a kind of a Shakespearean kiss mm. to it um you know they th- there's a it's the shakespearean undertone to it that's that makes it sort of fun and very uniquely british but uh yeah i mean maybe maybe heart to heart it's got a little dash of that too yeah 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 uh yeah yeah uh, look it's um it's 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 cute it's set, it's literally set in stratford upon avon, avon yeah. <laughs> you know uh, her name is lula shakespeare his name is frank hathaway <laughs> uh, and uh and uh you know and and, and there they are and it's, and it's and it's sort of sweet and sort of funny and a lot yeah i like it a lot yeah it's fun Vic, it's vicky pepperdine's in that too yeah got some i got some big complete sets here i'll make uh make quick work of if i could we've got the complete mm. series of uh charmed this is the new charmed oh, yeah. not oh. the old charmed this is blu-ray of the new charmed i'm we a big fan the- i'm a big fan and and along the same lines, we have the complete series of the com- uh, the Good Witch, or just mm-hmm. Good Witch, the Hallmark series, Good Witch, which ran for seven seasons when I wasn't looking. Uh, <laughs> Canadian, Canadian, it's very strange. Canadian that's series. Catherine Bell, man. Come on. That's where Catherine Bell went after, uh, what was that, that the Navy show she was on? Yeah, uh, uh, NCIS or whatever. NCIS, yeah, the first, yeah. the first, like the original NCIS. You do you do realize that that I, that Catherine Bell was, was in my friend Norman's project two when we were in film school, which I was first AD on. I did not talk- know that. You didn't know that? No, I don't think yeah. I do that. I oh, think yes. I would have remembered that. So, so you were at, you were at Mark's wedding uh, on Saturday. And uh, did you talk to Zach there? Zach was there. Yeah. Zach Weintraub. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. yes, the final scene of Norman's film is a sex scene between Zach and Catherine Bell. <laughs> I, just, I, was, I had no idea yeah i was the first ad i was the person who was responsible for saying all right clear the set well <laughs> look Catherine bell is lovely right now in 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 in, in good witch Catherine <laughs> bell was ridiculously beautiful in that in that navy yeah. show you know that she was on with the with that boy for ncis and yeah. i don't even want to know how fine Catherine bell was in 1980 whatever the hell you're talking about it was about 89 it was about 89 I don't even want to know. I don't, you know. And anyway, I'm, anyway, I'm glad everybody witch. went on to do well. I don't know, I don't know how we went sideways on that, but I do. <laughs> Hallmark, Hallmark I Channel original series, Good Witch, the complete series on Blu-ray. Uh, and and you know, it's it. I mean, it's it's. Uh, do I regret not having seen every episode of this? No, not really. But it's, no, it's fine. 
I've seen every you. episode of it because Catherine <laughs> Bell is in it, and I'm loyal. <laughs> so. uh, the new Charmed, the complete Charmed. Uh, you know, you're much more onto, onto the the Charmed bandwagon than I am. How does this compare to the original? Well, you know, I like it I, 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 well because I, I thoroughly enjoyed the original Charm 1998, whenever the hell that show was on. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it. They've taken this one. It's sort of Latinx in black, but it doesn't really be, it's not really Latinx in black at all. Um, 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 and it's, it's, it's modern and a little me too-y, uh, which I like. That's a, that's a good thing so far as I'm concerned. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's sexy. It's just stupid sexy. Uh, so I've enjoyed it quite a lot. Does the, what's, what, what season are we in? Uh, it, this is the complete series. It's all oh, the whole all series. Complete. That's right because they, because they completed they completed when um yeah uh, when yeah, Lace, when Lacey left the show Melanie four Diaz seasons. and yeah, I just I, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. It was a lot of fun for me. I hope they don't reboot it again though. Nah, that's, that's uh, we're we're good. We got a, we also got a couple of complete series uh, animated shows from uh, Cartoon Network uh, celebrating its thirtieth anniversary. Uh, one is. And I don't get either of these, I'll be honest. You got to be kind of a, a twisted child to appreciate animation that is just so deranged. But <laughs> uh, so I don't let my daughter watch either of these. But mm. some strange adults clearly do. One is uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yeah. Um, just, uh, I don't know. It, this is just really disturbing on a certain level. And then uh, 66 episodes of that. And then the other one, which is uh, equally nightmare inducing, is Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends, the complete series. Uh, Yeah, this is, um, you know, this eight year old kid and he's got, you know, some very, very tweaked imaginary friends. There's kind of a Monsters, Inc. vibe going a little bit here. I... That's from to, like the early 2000s or something, if I'm not mistaken. 2004 to 2009, this thing. Ah, ran. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, if I have to pick one, look, Ed, Ed and Eddie, I just I have no love for whatsoever. It's, <laughs> it's, um, it's just a it's really a creepy show. This thing ran from about 99 to 2007. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but Foster's Friend, Home for Imaginary Friends. You know, if you're about 13 or 14, that's probably optimal. You're old enough to to not be scarred for life by the the artwork here, but you're young enough to probably still enjoy the imagination of it and to not be totally cynical so uh there's a very narrow window where that'll probably work for you but uh both of those are out mm-hmm. and then we also got uh, ray donovan complete series oh. of ray donovan 82 episodes from wow. showtime on dvd not blu-ray but let's talk about ray donovan for a second i mean uh this this is, you know is meant to sort of suggest that this world exists that mm-hmm. there is this underbelly of hollywood and people like ray donovan who work within it but i mean how you know your experience how credible can we say that this is oh this is all uh, just made up uh, it's, it's, it, it, i watched the first um uh a couple of seasons of ray donovan um uh, you, you know it, just sort of trying to figure out where it was going uh and 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 sort of quickly realized that for me this didn't this just didn't speak to any sort of la that i know anything about this show didn't even look like it was set in la if they weren't literally at the beach um, uh, in this show, you wouldn't have known it was set in LA at all. Uh, so I don't know. That's just the way it always did hit me, which is why I kind of bailed on it. As opposed to what was that show with, uh, Bosch? Yeah. Uh, which is set that's in LA. Re- that's a really interesting comparison. I've never thought of that before, but I think you're right. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, yeah. There, there you go. Uh, we've got, uh, more Ozzy and Harriet. Now, we talked about, uh, Ozzy and the Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet seasons one and two, which we covered a few weeks ago. This is seasons seven and eight. 
36 episodes in season seven, 32 episodes in season eight, because back then they just made television like it was nobody's business. <laughs> I have inquired of MPI, who releases these, as to what happened to seasons uh, three, four, five, and six, because they mm. just skipped those seasons in these releases. Mm. No one got back to me. So I, I wonder. More, I wonder would they would they have been shot on like uh, what were they what were they using like kinescope or something like that I before before this they went film. to sixteen millimeter film? Um, I, I don't know. If, I don't know. Mm. I mean, that's a, that's a question. I, you know, is, is anything lost? Are there copyright issues? Did they fall out of copyright because somebody you know dropped the ball? I mean, the, those are always questions, and it's always maybe it was a different produ- uh, producing company that got the that knocked off the first. Interesting, very interesting. But yeah. it does say authorized by the Nelson Estate. So somewhere in there, there's an explanation I have not been able to get. But uh, just know that in addition to seasons one and two, you can now add seven and eight. And like like the rest of us, you can wonder where, you know, three, four, five and six are and when, when they will come out. Still, you know, a funny show, not loaded with extras. Good show, solid show, uh, very indicative of its era, but, uh, you know, uh, continues to represent kind of a moment in television and American culture that many people question whether or not it is more idyllic than was the reality. Yeah, well, of course it was. It's television. You know what I love about about that this show? If you watch this show, you see a lot of people that will eventually pop up and become a little bit more 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 known to us from later shows. Uh, I love Lucy, uh, Green Acres. If you watch this show, you'll see you'll see Frank Cady, yeah, uh, who was uh, the guy who was the guy that ran the uh, the uh, uh, the the uh, general store on Green Acres and you'll see Mary Jane Croft, who was, you know, one of Lucy's friends on I Love Lucy and Don DeFore, who's going to be the, right. the, the father on Hazel uh, in, in a couple of years, but they're all sort of roaming around, around this show and a few shows right before that, uh, you know, before they become the characters that we sort of all know. So we got some, we also have some uh, really interesting Ultraman sets here. Now, Tim, mm. I, now do you know what the, in, uh, what the difference is between uh, this double feature of Ultraman Z Earth and Ultraman Z Earth Two on the one hand, the difference between that Thank you. and I... Ultraman Neos, and then this third set, which is all the Ultraman Cosmos stuff. It's Ultraman Cosmos First Contact, Ultraman Cosmos Two, The Blue Planet, and then Ultraman Cosmos versus Ultraman Justice. <laughs> um, so between Ultraman Cosmos, all these movies, Ultraman Neos. And the Ultraman Z Earth double feature. Do you know what the difference is? I can promise you, I do not. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure like like just as I have like my friend Richie can look at uh, two different you know uh, Pontiacs from 1965 <laughs> and and tell them apart by the shape of their fins. I'm yeah. sure there are people who can look at all the different Ultraman costumes and go, well, if you look at the shape of the eyes and the shape of the, <laughs> of the head, it's very clearly Ultraman Neos, where, you know, if you, if you, I'm, I'm sure there are people who can tell that, but to an untrained eye, uh, I look at this and, and I'm like, it's, uh, it's all, it's all just Ultraman stuff. It's just Ultraman. It's just Ultraman. <laughs> you know? I know. Oh, it's all the same. And they're all fighting basically the same villains and the same battles. And uh, I can't really, you know, I, I can't keep, I can't keep track of it anymore. It's it's just too much Ultraman. Uh, it's it's like you know Power Rangers. It's the same stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I, I mean, if, after if the you're Ultraman, Ranger. yeah, it's all the same. Uh, speaking of, it's a little bit sideways from Ultraman, but uh, Halo season one. Ah, mm. uh, I never played the Halo game. Um, 
So Sherm, like, Sherm, Sherm, our buddy Sherm is a, is a big Halo guy, very, yeah. very into all the Halo, and therefore, you know, sort of kept me associated with the Halo uh, world and dynamics, uh, of, which is sort of generally aliens, yeah. big giant aliens trying to kill us in the in the, in the what maybe twenty sixth century or something like that. Yeah, uh, and these team of elite uh, uh, Marini types and these outfits would special weaponry off into the universe to uh, uh, try to kill them before they can kill us. Yep. Uh, that's, that's Halo. Yeah. And this is uh, season one. It is a uh, very impressively made high production value. I remember when this thing was announced, it took them forever to get around to it. This has got all kinds. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's got hours and hours of special features. It's not no point in me getting into it. It's all, it, they filmed almost the entire post-production process. Uh, it's got, you know, collectible art cards and all kinds of fun stuff here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think you have to have been a fan of the game or played the game to sort of get into this world, but it does feel very, uh, it's very mecha inspired. Mm. Uh, it's very Dune esque, too. There's a, it definitely has kind of a Dune quality to it, too. So, uh, yeah, I'll give it, I'll give it a chance in season two. A lot of people love Abbott Elementary. Uh, I'm so, a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah, let's Ooh, talk about man. Abbott Elementary. I, I, I kind of, you know, decided to give it a shot, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's quite charming and and uh, and brisk. I think it's very observational and true. Actually, having been an elementary parent now for a number of years, I think they kind of get it. I do. I think they get it. Well, you know, you know me. I've I, I've taught for many years in the in the um, uh, inner, in inner city elementary schools, both both here and in St. Louis. Uh, schools just like that school, which teaches a whole lot like those teachers, particularly young teachers. You know, years ago I was one of those young teachers, and and and, and they get they get a whole lot very much right about that. Quinta Brunson, star of the show, created the show. Her mother is a teacher, and and uh, and and she herself sort of like like just crafted this whole universe around her childhood and her mother and her mother's school and her school and all of that. And it's just all lovely and so funny. And Shirley Ralph just won a what what what, what did they win on TV? They won um. Emmy on TV, Emmy? right? She got an Emmy? Yeah. Yeah, she just won an Emmy uh, uh, for her for her role uh, there. And um, yeah, it, it's 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 a very, very funny show. I see why it's as popular as it is. Of course, I love these shows. So I'm a I'm a welcome back Cotter guy. Uh, I'm a one uh, who was who, who what was the name of the show uh, that had um, all the high school kids on it? And the oh, teacher uh, was Herman. Um, uh, uh, oh, the, the teacher was uh, the, the English teacher guy. Oh, uh, d- 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 of the class. Head d- d- of the class. Head of the class. Head of, yeah. of the class. I'm that guy. Billy, Con- Billy Connolly replaced Howard. Billy Connolly replaced Howard Hesman. Howard Hesman and Billy Connolly. I love the guy. Was that guy? I go all the way back to Room Two Twenty Two with these yeah. shows. They're all more or less just the, the same in one. In, in, in one way or another. Um, and uh, and I love them all. Uh, and this this one lives right in that pocket. Good work, I say, Quinter. We've got, we got three others here from uh, CBS and Paramount. Uh, the complete series of Good Sam, mm. which is which is uh, when they say complete series. Uh, in this case, they mean that it it didn't even run a full season. Uh, mm. It's it's basically a truncated season, and uh, you know it's a heart surgeon thing. It's it, Jason Isaacs kind of tries to you know make a go of it as a romantic lead. Sophia Bush is very very lovely in the lead. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, they you know this this whole tandem between the two of them is is cute, but it doesn't really ever pan out. I think they pulled too many punches, and 
um i don't know it's you know it, it's like got more promise than i think it was allowed to explore but uh it didn't get to explore it so hey look i'll tell you what's wrong with that show is because you know they got this whole sort of dynamic going on back and forth he's too old for her jason Isaacs is too old for her uh and uh, and and i did not like the idea of them forming a relationship because he's too old for her <laughs> and with uh, uh, now wendy Crewson is also on that show and that's the dynamic they should have set up yeah um uh with him and her and then the other guy so it's so, so nevertheless, uh, they're, it, they're, they're, I mean, it's a missed opportunity either way. I think there yeah. were there were things they could have done with it. They didn't. Uh, you know, Grizzly Adams was a thing way back in the day. Oh, yeah. People might remember Dan Haggerty uh, and that show. They got we got uh, a, a movie here, The Capture of Grizzly Adams. They kept that thing going for a while. Uh, it's fine. It's OK. Uh, this was from 1982. They, you know. It's the only thing Dan Haggerty really ever, ever did of, of any kind of relevance. <laughs> yeah. and, he milked it, and I hope it's I hope it's paying dividends today. I hope I hope the people who buy this that a good chunk of it goes to to Dan Haggerty wherever he is in whatever cabin enjoying his retirement. What I remember about this movie from 1982 TV yeah. is did Kim Darby and Noah Barry Jr. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I remember. These real old school sort of you know, yeah. Season two of Blood and Treasure. Uh, did not know there was a season one of Blood and Treasure. So just jumping into this, uh, having no idea what it's about. It's kind of, um, it's a little bit American. Uh, what's the Nick Cage thing? Uh, American mm. treasure. It's a little American. Treasure. Oh yeah. The, yeah. When he was running around in those. Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is a little bit, you know, rip off of Indiana Jones. This is less Indiana Jones, but it's still, you know, treasure hunter stuff. That's what it yeah. is. A national and treasure, national treasure, national treasure. Thank you. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it could have a little higher production value, but otherwise it's it's perfectly fine. Um, if it had higher production value, they'd have hired Nick Cage. There you go. <laughs> I, I think they, they may in the second season, if it if it you know continues to have a life, uh, go there. So let's see. Give it a chance. Meh. Meh. Uh, we got a 4K Ultra HD of uh, Aqua Teen Forever, Plantasm, mm. an Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie, which has a, mm. a bonus poster. I don't know why I need Aqua Teen Hunger Force in 4K. I really don't. I have no idea. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. The whole point of that thing is that it's badly animated. Yeah, so, just you sort of flat, you know, meat wad and Frylock and yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, look, I mean, uh, this is for fans. If you're not into this thing, this will mean nothing to you. If you are, this will be uh, an, an occasion for a party. You'll knock yourselves out. Also have the complete third season of Titans, uh, which is now on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, New season just started. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. How do you how do you feel about what they've done with this show? I mean, it's gone through all kinds of twists and contortions, but it still feels like more DC than anything in the Arrowverse to me. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I came to it a little bit late, but because it is on HBO and therefore can be a little, you know, I, I darker as they say you know uh it it, it def, it's definitely not a cw uh show um uh and you know it did go that particular season there is going to go to some pretty dark places it does. um uh so yeah yeah it's it's a little bit crunchy a little bit crispy I, I, i'm i'm behind about an episode or two in season four so part of me part of me kind of hopes that what they're doing now over at dc with the the new you know, uh, universe, the new DC extended universe that they're putting together under, under, uh, under, uh, James, uh, what's his name? Director of the, uh, Gardens mm-hmm. of the Galaxy oh, movies. Yeah. Uh, James Gunn. 
James Gunn and the other guy that they're going to I'm I'm hoping they'll bring all this stuff together into something a little bit more unified and Marvel like but yet different. That's what I'm mm. hoping. Mm. Uh Ancient Aliens is in season 15. I'll give you my quick review of that. Season 15 just like season 14. <laughs> exact same damn thing. Uh, that's the reason uh, the show keeps going on. They stick to their knitting. And then uh HBO's Euphoria uh, season 1 and season 2. Um never pretty interesting it. show. Never got into it. You like it? I I came to this Yeah, you know what? I like her. I like Zendaya. Oh yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, 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 I like her as an actress. I think she makes really interesting choices, and she switches it up. Even though I don't like her at all in the Spider-Man movies, I think she's totally wrong there. But mm, I, Jane, I yeah. really like her in Dune, and I really mm. I like her in this. I think the rest of it, I think everything else that's built around her here is a little lacking. But I think she's very good in the middle of it, if that makes sense. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it, 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 look, it's a show about and set in a community uh, of. Of, of people, these young people, with the you know doing stuff, and I don't like oh, yeah. any drug, yeah. drug problems. And- yeah, I, mean, I don't like any of these people. Yeah, you know, it's like, I- just like these people. If I knew these people, I'd be spending all my time trying to get the fuck away from these people. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I I try to focus on the on the drama of it. And yeah, it is, yeah. It, it's it's a rough milieu. Yeah, yeah there yeah, is yeah. a question of why even tell this story. Um, but you know what? She makes the most of it. She really yeah, does. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's yeah. And very, it's not like it, it represents a real thing of folks around and about, but it's like those Larry Clark films from 20, 25 years ago, kids and, and uh, whatever. Uh, I, you know, I look at those films and I'm like, okay, you know, I sure, but most kids are perfectly fine and not these ridiculous kids that you've made this movie about. So, you know, you know what, why do I care about these kids? I don't, <laughs> you know, they're obnoxious. I hear you. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about some Cohen films right now, Tim. Yeah. Cohen yeah. uh Cohen has released some outstanding movies this month. I mean outstanding. And they have some of the best audio commentaries I've ever heard in my life. Oh, yeah, ever. yeah, I'm gonna yeah. Say, hey. I'm going to say unbelievable commentary. So the first one is the cla- <laughs> these are these are three films by Patrice Leconte. Mm. Uh Monsieur here, which is already a second adaptation of the original novel is an extraordinary film. Mm. And uh, this was made in 1989. Patrice Leconte, you know, shot this great kind of dramatic thriller with uh, with Michel Blanc as this creepy guy. And, you know, the the relationship he forms with Sandrine Bonaire. Mm-hmm. And there's a question of a murder and, you know, who's responsible and who's seen what. And, you know, it's fair. But I'll tell you, this audio commentary, it blows my mind. Uh, so the bonus features new interview with Patrice Leconte and star Sandrine Bonaire, an audio commentary track by Wade Major, producer, host of the DigiGods <laughs> podcast, film critic for CineGods.com and KPCC Film Week. This guy knows his stuff. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So, um, hey, look, man, uh, you, yeah, you are, because you and I both, we had a thing for Patrice. I still do, but, but, but yeah. Patrice had this, this run that more or less begins with Misha High. And the hairdresser's husband, I think, was the next one. Yeah. Yeah, and, was, yeah. and and it's just this ridiculous run that he had of 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 of, of, of these movies, uh, uh, Tango, uh, Ridicule, uh, yeah, oh, Ridicule, uh, which was Oscar nominated, uh, yeah. uh, uh, Man on the, the Train, Man on the Train, Widow Saint Pierre. It's just this ridiculous run, Intimate um, um, Strangers. Uh, um, uh, it, this just was was nuts. It was, and, real, and more, 
It more or less starts. It more or less starts there, I think. Yeah, and, and there Monsieur, was a lot of Monsieur stuff here. before that. But yeah, Monsieur, Monsieur here. here really is. It's extraordinary. The novel by Georges Simenon, and uh, I had a lot of fun doing this commentary. I'll tell you because I hadn't revisited the film since I'd seen it the first time. So it was fun to really dig into it and and talk about all the all the nuances to it. Mm. Um, one of which is that the original version of that is paid homage to in another one of his films, Love Street. Ah, and yes. I did the two commentaries for these two films that are on the Patrice LeConte double feature, which is also out from Cohen, which is Felix and Lola and Love Street. Neither of these films were ever released in the U.S. So these were made during that same great period, mm-hmm. but they were not released here. And I saw both of them at the American film market at the time, and I, and mm-hmm. I reviewed them for box office, and I, I could never believe that nobody had picked these up. Like, of all the films you're going to leave on the table during that golden period of Patrice LeConte, you're not going to release Felix and Lola and Love Street? Are you crazy? It's, it's, like, they're uh, great. So I talk about that on these commentaries as well and and get into all the details and how they where they fit in his in his you know body of work and how he differentiates his style and all of that stuff. Uh, Felix and Lola was made in 2001, and it's a sweet love story between uh, Philip Doraton and Charlotte Gensburg, and they meet at the bumper cars of this carnival, this small-town carnival. I mean, that's all it is. He's a guy who just runs the operation and she's this troubled woman who may or may not be lying about everything in her life and her backstory and what brings them together and kind of obsessively holds them together. And it's just great French drama. It's a great mm. French romantic drama. Love Street, by comparison, is a period film set right after um, World War II when all the brothels were closed, when the new government, the new republic came in and decided to have sort of a, a stronger morals approach to society. And it's primarily about uh, this former prostitute, Leticia Casta, and the uh, character played by P- Petit Louis is what they call him, Patrick Timsit, who is mm-hmm. the who grew up in the brothel, right? So he's kind of a defender and a protector of the women, especially the uh, the character Marion, played by Leticia Casta, mm-hmm. and uh, it's you know how he becomes kind of a an almost um, uh, Cyrano de Bergerac like character in trying to help you know further her her romantic aspirations it's a it's a really intriguing film beautifully photographed period recreation is great and there's a great homage that ties back in with monsieur year uh mm. that is that many people have never never picked up on so i was very happy to kind of throw that in there so anyway a couple of uh, you know a couple of dvd uh, blu-rays with three audio commentaries from yours truly on there which i had an awful lot of fun with and then uh, also out recently from uh, Cohen is Going Places, the mm, uh, great Bertrand Blier film with um, uh, Gerard Depardieu, Miu Miu, and Patrick Duer. Uh That is uh, out in their classics of French cinema line. That's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Mm. The more recent Gagarin, which is under the contemporary classics line, that is a fantastic directing debut uh for this this uh this great young new director whose name I'm going to I I don't have at the tip of my tongue here but um it it basically takes place in a housing project outside Paris which is named for Yuri Oh Gagarin. Fanny Letiard and Jeremy uh, Fanny and Jeremy Yeah uh, yeah uh, yeah this this takes place in this housing project just outside Paris which is named for Yuri Gagarin Mm -hmm. Uh, who visited the after he went into orbit for the Soviet Union back in the 1950s. -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was uh, it sort of was this this identification that marked this particular neighborhood, which is now going to be torn down. And this young 
this one young man who's you know from an immigrant African family and has a romance with this girl who's a who's a gypsy, and they're sort of outcasts, and how his dreams of becoming an astronaut in the in the vein of Yuri Gagarin in, in, inspire these flights of fancy. It's it's really really a fascinating, uh, powerful powerful film, and yeah. uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, yeah. his, his 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 name is Yuri, which is. Yeah, you know, it's all of this interesting uh, Dennis Levant from those um, uh, Leo Carac, uh, Leo Carax films. Uh, oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And then we we have a 4K restoration of from the classics of British cinema of uh, Pandora and the Flying Dutchman, which is quite mm-hmm. nice. Ava Gardner and James Mason. This has been out before in Blu-ray, but uh, this is a this is a particularly stunning restoration of it. Just beautifully, beautifully colorful. Uh, this is better than everything else I've seen. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen a couple of recent Blu-rays of this, but this one's better than both of those. Um, the good boss with Javier Bardem kind Mm. of weirdly comedic. I did not expect this, um, Mm. bit of a strange film. Yeah. Fernando Leon did. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a business comedy, but it ain't office space. I'll say that. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think it applies very specifically to a certain part of Spanish corporate culture, but if you want to see Bardem do something really weird and tweaked, uh, it's, this is a good place to go. Uh, f- directed by Fernando Leon de Aranda, and mm-hmm. it's won a few awards at festivals. Uh, Doug Ray Scott in Last Passenger. Did you see this, by chance? Uh, Doug Ray, that's that... Uh, no, it's I don't a, think I saw that. Yeah, it's... Uh, I mean, I like Doug Ray Scott. It's, it's, the one, it's the one on the train, the other one on the yeah, train. Right? Yeah, 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 I did see that, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't it didn't It didn't quite work for no. me, um, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, every time they put something on a train, I always feel like the train winds up being more of the star than the actors. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, it it yeah, felt yeah. a little bit like that here, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 that whole thing. Yeah, we're on a train. Something might happen. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's like a it, runaway train, kind of a, you know, speed. I mean, it's got a lot of those. The, the, the one that we just talked about earlier with Pitt, you know, the, the yeah, bullet train. Bullet train. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's got all that stuff. And I don't know. I mean, Doug Ray Scott's, a, he could be a good action. Maybe might be a little too old. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Breathe In from a few years ago with Guy Pierce and Felicity Jones, I think is a, is uh, it's a, a little bit overlooked, but I certainly enjoyed it. I don't know anybody else did i might be the only one um and I then uh, that movie. It yeah movie. right it was, yeah it was okay it was fine didn't do anything wrong like i like them both and then james ivory is the europeans uh in the oh, uh, okay. the latest release from the uh, merchant ivory library which uh, you know he did a few of those henry james movies the americans the europeans i i i still think this is i mean it's not perfectly polished james ivory but it's kind of it's getting there you know yeah, it it, it 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 begins that great run that that we know he's gonna have that takes us through you know uh, what the remains of the day yeah and and all that kind of stuff it sort of begins there this is Lee Remick and and uh, and and you know they're sort of from that television uh, period what is this like seventy nine something like that it's a yeah it's like it's uh, I'll tell you exactly seventy nine right on yeah yeah. Yeah, and so so it's right before this a uh, run that we know that Merchant Ivory run that they that they have sort of through the middle from the middle eighties right on through the middle nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's do some uh, some newish movies. Um, Bitcon, did you see Bitcon by chance? Uh, I don't think I saw Bitcon. Let me see. 
take a look at that. Yeah, so uh, I haven't seen Jeremy Davies in quite a while, and um, so I thought, okay, well, let's let's see what's you know what's up with this. I mean, it's you know these are people who haven't been in anything in in a while, uh, with mm. the exception of Tom Cavanaugh, who of course keeps showing up on the Flash playing i i'll bet you tom cavanaugh holds the guinness record for having played the most different characters on a single tv series <laughs> yeah. because every time he shows up on the flash he's somebody else he plays the french guy and there uh, yeah, so yeah yeah so anyway he's on this along with jeremy davies and uh frank whaley and uh you know i mean it's it's a it's a gritty little it's a gritty little kind of indie crime thing uh a little a little uh kind of a Bitcoin based heist movie is kind of mm-hmm. what this is. Okay. And, okay. Right. And I mean, it's a little, it, I'll say this, it's kind of hard. I can get excited about a heist film. I can't get excited about Bitcoin. Mm. So to try to do, you know, a more Gen Z oriented heist film to make it about Bitcoin, I don't know that you're, you're, you're going for a sweet spot that doesn't really exist, you know? But yeah, yeah, yeah. I admire the effort, and I certainly like the actors. Maybe that's the best way of putting it. Yeah, see, Craig Mums Grant is in that Mums. I haven't seen him in a while. Mums, he he was sort of like a figure in the late '90s and in a lot of movies, uh, TV shows, uh, Oz, and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Easter Sunday with Joe Coy. Um, I saw that. Um, you know, it was. I had to talk about it on the radio show. Yeah. And uh, and so so to be honest with you, I did not know who Joe Coy was because I just don't follow that 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 particular brand of stand up comedian. He's a stand up yeah. comedian. He's, yeah. he's 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 white and Filipino. I think his father's white, his mother Filipino. And a lot of a lot of his his, his humor sort of you know spins around that. Very very popular. Had a very very popular. I think maybe Netflix series or HBO special or whatever the hell it was. And anyway, if you're from a certain segment. Of the uh, of, of of the sort of comedian loving community, you know who Joe Coy is, and you've seen him. So he so he got a shot at the, making this movie with Jake Shandahar uh, directing, the, you know, from Super Troopers, yeah. all that kind of stuff, right? And 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 they make this movie, and and this movie is like it's it's like it's like all stand up comedians uh, when they make yeah. a movie. Yeah. Uh, the first thing they do is get some other stand up comedians to be in their movie. <laughs> so so that you have this movie where the you know Tiffany. Uh, 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 you go ahead and put your name, uh, uh, Tiffany. Um, oh, you know her name. Uh, 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 shows up in this movie, and just it's just all these comedians roaming around the movie. It's like, okay, this is fine, but mostly what happens is we watch Joy Coy stop and do about five minutes of his comedy routine. Yeah, uh, which sort of you know roams around issues of his family, and then we're watching this movie, which is full of quote unquote his family. So we're watching the people that are that are more or less, you know, the the, the subjects of his jokes and the stand up routine actually play those characters out in this sort of wacky story, um, which is all over the place. It includes Lou Diamond Phillips, it includes uh, Manny Pacquiao's boxing gloves and all kinds of nutty stuff that bit by bit is kind of funny. Um, uh, Jay is in the movie and he's actually kind of funny in. But you know, mostly it's just Joe Joy Joe Coy doing his stand-up routine. Um, and you can just, you know, kind of go to Netflix and watch that <laughs> anyway, but you don't really have to have it wrapped in a movie. But it's okay. Uh it's uh it's okay. Uh The Duke is uh a, a pretty good little fact-based drama with Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren that was released uh just the <laughs> 
probably i mean it, it, it was released earlier this year but they had an oscar qualification run end of last year it didn't really yeah. pan out this was the last film directed by roger michelle the late yeah. wonderful director of so many cool films including um uh notting hill and uh it takes place in 1961 it's about this old guy this old this this crusty old uh uh left-wing labor voting taxi driver who's really mad about you know in the uk you have to pay to get the bbc or you pay to support the, like you don't get tv service unless you're paying yeah. the license fee to support the yeah. bbc yeah and he thinks that's totally fascist so he's refusing to do it anyway his protest all leads to to actually winding up where he steals a famous painting yeah. and uh this actually happened yeah uh, he stole goya's <laughs> portrait of the duke of wellington it was 1961 he actually did it <laughs> And and it's about what transpired thereafter. And um, I think they hit the tone just right. I mean, this didn't do bang up business, but it was still kind of tail end of the pandemic. And uh, I think that hurt the film. But otherwise, it would have done really beautiful business. Uh, it's, you know, Jim Broadbent's wonderful. Helen Mirren is is equally wonderful as his wife. And uh, I think, uh, you know, just as a tribute to the great Roger Michelle, uh, it's worth checking out. You really should see it. It's a whole yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, a whole lot of fun. Uh, I got a couple of ninja themed things here that I'm going to make super quick mention of uh, just because it's two ninja themed ninja title things. Ninja badass. And the other one is checkered ninja. <laughs> they have nothing to do with each other. Uh, one of them. And they're, they're both, you know, not the least bit commercial. Uh, there's no reason why anybody should, should care about any of them. Uh, checkered ninja, first of all, is, is uh, 3d animated. Uh, it's just about this young kid, this high school kid who, you know, uh, decides to, you know, dress up like a ninja in checkered clothing. Uh, and it, well, he's, let me, let me take it back. He's, mm. it, it's a doll, which he dresses up in checkered clothing, which is actually, how do I even put this? Let me try, <laughs> let me try, let me try a third time. Um, he's got a doll that becomes a ninja that comes alive. Yeah. How do I? It, it, and and they wind up having ninja adventures together. The dumbest story ever, but it, somehow it actually it's got a little bit of yeah. uh, charm to it. And I don't know. It. Uh, I believe this was actually made in uh it, it with with the participation of animator animators from Thailand because there's oh. a whole there's a whole Thai thing to it. I'm not quite clear, but uh, regardless, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, but it has a charming subtext to it. And if you can kind of stick with the, you know, the the emotional through line, this weird little ninja doll with the buttons for eyes is, you know, I don't know. It doesn't work. <laughs> uh, I'll, I, you know, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt. But anyway, um, Ninja Badass is by a guy named Ryan Harrison. Uh, it's uh, weird, man. Uh, it's this. It has nothing to do with ninjas. It's it's this guy who is very unusual. I will say this. Uh, it's it is a very strange and disturbing and somewhat debauched road trip that involves <laughs> some very deeply, deeply deranged obsessions. And uh, I think this movie is just trying to shock people. I will share nothing about any of those details. I'll just mm. make mention of it that. If you kind of feel like uh, you want to check out something called Ninja Badass, you have been warned. Yeah, not our fault. Not our fault. Um, let's see. Anything? Oh, you know do, what? Do you have Do you have bodies, bodies, bodies? Yeah, near, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's which, pull that which, out. Which is which was kind of kind kind of fun to me. 
uh, the hurricane party uh, in this mansion. Uh, and uh, a whole bunch of these friends are having this party and, whole, and it all kind of goes sideways. And, uh, and uh, it, I thought it was kind of, it was kind of like a fun millennial uh, hack and slash is what it is. A hack and slash. It's a horror it's a comedy. Perf- it's a horror comedy, but it's a piece of We're good talking about Pete Davidson earlier. This is the kind yeah, of stuff Pete's Pete Davidson's in it. doing now. Yeah. And Lee Pace is in it. I like Lee. Uh, it, so, you know, anyway, uh, as these things go, it was a fairly decent one. It came out around the same t- time as that movie X and a few other ones uh, that live in the same sort of space. Like, so, you know, not bad. Bodies, uh, bodies, bodies. Let let's talk just for a second because we're closing to, closing down near the end of the show. Let's talk about Rob Zombie's Monsters movie. What the hell, man? Uh, we talked about that the moment I, I think Mark, I think Mark sent us a notification, somebody yeah. uh, of that, and I thought it was a joke at first. Yeah, but it was. We watched the trailer, and and I think you made some quip about the trailer that looked like it was shot <laughs> for about a buck fifty. A buck fifty, bucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, and of course his wife, uh, what's her name, Zombie plays Lily. Oh, yeah, um, Sherry Moon zombie, yeah. something like that. Uh, this, like that yeah. I have seen, I have seen uh, fan fiction Star Trek movies made in people's backyards that had higher production value than this movie. Mm. Mm. The, Rob Zombie claims he loves the monsters. Nobody who loves the monsters would make this movie. No, this is this was announced and then it was immediately shuttled very quickly as a straight to video release. This is truly awful. No, it really, really is. And, you know, and, and Rob, you know, he, I, I, come the House of a Thousand Corpses and all those sort of really gritty horror things that he did, uh, you know, um, um, uh, sort of uh, aping those kind of movies from the 70s. Oh OK, God. whatever. People dug those movies. That, that's OK. I don't get what the hell is going on here. Uh, and, and, and frankly, one of the things that I said is I just don't understand how you give Rob Zombie this particular piece of IP. Oh uh, to work with, it, or you know how how he got a hold of it. I, I, you know, maybe he was a high. I think I think you suggested or Ray suggested that he, perhaps he was a hired gun. You know, a producer had the stuff, and they and, and they hired a gun, and, and and Rob was just a gun. Um, uh, on it. I don't know what happened, but man, what a misfire! Really, well, it's really, such bad. a misfire. And also because he he gets so much about the look. It's an origin story. Presumably, this is how Lily and Herman met. Not that that is what's wrong with this. It's I can't even get to that as a, it's just everything about it is just wrong and terrible. It's just really, really bad on every way, on every yeah. level. Yeah, um, Rob wrote the but, script. So was, yeah. Oh, it's, it's just it's, so bad. And the com I didn't even listen to the commentary. I didn't want well, it was too painful. But then I I contrast this with this lovely, lovely release from MPI, uh, Marineland Carnival with oh. the Munsters TV show cast members. And th- what's great about this, uh, which was, you know, made back like late 60s. I don't know exactly what year. Um, 65, 65, man. OK, so 65, right? So right I in mean, the heart of it. Yeah, right in the heart of it. I mean, truly, truly uh, just a wonderful, wonderful piece of nostalgia. Now, for those who don't know, Marineland was a theme park it was a marine theme park like sea world that was on the palos verdes peninsula in los angeles county mm-hmm. for many many years and it did the same thing as sea world it you know had uh, you know orca shows and sea lion shows and you feed them and they bark and they jump around and they play games and you know you could go into the aquarium and see fish and the whole nine yards right and i went there a lot as a kid i, I loved their ices i would eat those ices it was, <laughs> it was fantastic it was great whole lot of fun. So what this is, is basically this promotional TV show 
to that used the cast members of the monsters to kind of push it was just i mean it was it, it just sort of pushed the idea of the theme park and um it's it's just it's a fascinating weird little um archival snippet from the 60s a kind, the kind of thing that doesn't exist anymore mm. and um it, it just takes you back it's really really wonderful it's great I, I i just think it's so much fun and it's it's got some wonderful little uh um uh you know like a danny k show thing on here and you know there's a bunch of other little little tidbits from the uh from the era but it's great marineland carnival and and more lost treasures it's uh it's really really fun so everything that the zombie film did did wrong this is like a palate cleanser to me you know fred Wynn and, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. monte carlo and al lewis and pat priest and butch patrick mm-hmm. they all you know that cast incomparable fantastic um you remember no escape uh no escape ray liotta movie Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of, yeah. kind of like an out of normal character Ray Liotta movie yeah. uh, for that period where he where he wasn't playing a, a gangster. Yeah, uh, 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 we, we lost, just 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 uh, just lost Ray, great Ray, supporting Lake Bell and all that. I remember that. Yeah, this was the great supporting performance. Ernie Hudson uh, is, is Owen Wilson. Terrific. I think is in that movie. Lance yeah. Henriksen, uh, Kevin Dillon. Um, really, uh, really a fascinating film. Anyway, this is the movie. It was directed by Martin Campbell. This is the movie that got Martin Campbell the James Bond franchise. Oh, really? Yeah. This has it's it's utterly fascinating. Um, it's a really really good and underrated movie. It's, it's now out from uh, Unearthed Classics on Blu-ray. Movie. Yeah. I'm surprised it's it's you know kind of it, it's a it's going to be a little hard to, to find. People may not know it, but dig it up. It's out on Blu-ray from Unearthed Classics. And uh, Ray Liotta might be one of the best things Ray Liotta did. It actually takes yeah. place. This is what I love. The, the 1994 film. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, 1994. Really. But you know what year it takes place? Uh, what, 2022? That's it. <laughs> I love it. That's it. Uh, it I takes place it. in this it. year. And you know what? As dystopian as it is, it actually makes this year look pretty darn good. <laughs> uh, michael learner i know the film we're talking about now it's sort of a it's sort of an inverse escape from new york scenario right he's uh yeah. he's a he's a marine captain who uh, who killed his commanding officer and who and it and the assassination of the commanding officer is is shown in a single overhead shot during the credit sequence it's mm-hmm. really really great it's really terrific uh very smart and you don't quite know why he did it anyway. He's banished to this prison island. Michael Lerner is the guy who runs the island. Uh, you know, Lance Henriksen is on it, and Stuart Wilson, Ernie Hudson, Kevin Dillon. They're all, you know, the, the guys who are also on the island. And, it's, and then he has to kind of escape, and you got to find out why he did it. And uh, it's it's pretty great. Gail Ann Hurd produced it. Uh, Graham Revell does some has a great score, and uh, there are some interesting extras. You know, yeah, a new interview yeah. with uh, Martin Campbell and some other great stuff. So no escape. That, that's before that's before Mask of Zorro. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Martin Campbell. Yep. Yeah, that was the one. That's the one. Casino Royale, off. all the kind of stuff with that. So that's the one that got him to Casino Royale. Okay, that got so him. Nice. That got him to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did he do? Did he do Golden Eye? Golden Eye. Golden Eye. was the first. Ninety five. Pierce. Yeah. 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 Earth Girls Are Easy. One of my favorite films on the planet. Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans, and Jeff Goldblum in fur, in colored fur, and Gina Davis in a bikini that was in nineteen. What was what year was that movie? Uh, in nineteen eighty eight, in a bikini that'll just crush you. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I just loved this. It was so. It was so much fun. Julian Temple, yeah, <clears throat> Julie Brown, and Charlie Coffee writing. 
when I first moved up into the valley, uh, uh, I lived a few blocks. Uh, you know, when I lived on Colfax up in Burbank. Yep. Uh, I, I lived a few blocks from, uh, from Charlie Coffee. Um, and, and, and he and Julie, uh, Terrence, Terrence E. McNally, who all wrote this together way back in the, in the middle eighties after Julie Brown, I guess, yeah, it was after she had been on, um, MTV, you know, she was one of those yep. uh, MTV girls, yeah, uh, and uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it was just, a, it was just, it was. I, I would hang out with them. We chit chat about this movie. It's just really thoroughly enjoy this funny, 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 very sweet movie. I don't think you could make this movie today. Probably not. As a, not. Not, not, not as a not, not as a not as a feature film. I don't think you could. I don't know. Yeah, no, prob- probably not. But uh, it's anyway. It is out from the Vestron series, the collector series. Uh, from uh, Lionsgate, and it's on Blu-ray, and it has digital copy, and uh, you know, have uh, knock yourselves out. It's a great, uh, it's a great little bit of nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's wind up with just a couple last things here. Let me see if I can uh, pull out some highlights. Uh, it is the 90th anniversary of the Walter Houston Joan Crawford film uh, Rain, oh, which wow. is also out from VCI uh, by way of uh, MVD. This is um. This is this is really a, a, a kind of a forgotten film. It's based on the uh, W. Somerset Mom short story mm. um, about a you know about a, a prostitute who uh, you know in the in the it, it has to go to the South Seas. You know, escapes having to be uh, prosecuted and imprisoned, get her life restarted, and um, it's a it's a really really powerful story when you read the actual short story. And um, the movie doesn't quite capture that, but it's still uh, kind of this nostalgic classic in its own right in very, very different ways because Joan Mm. Crawford, very young Joan Crawford and her performance is it's considered one of the hallmark performances of her career. And, uh, you know, it's a it's a really interesting pre-code production that too many people have kind of just let slide. And there's some very interesting bits on here. There's an alternate 76 minute cut uh which you which is really interesting you know the one was shown one side of the atlantic the other one on the other side of the atlantic and the original trailer and you know poster and photo gallery and a great commentary by uh film scholar richard um barrieros uh who who's a like a historian of this particular era and this and these films in particular Mm. um but yeah and if you've ever seen the movie sadie thompson that's the basically the same story Mm. but uh yeah rain it's 90th anniversary, a uh, wow. great cra- classic pre-code movie uh, that deserves to be rediscovered, uh, especially for its performance by Joan Crawford. And then, uh, Tim, I'm going to take us out with volume 21 of uh, Beyond Genres. Worlds on Film, Beyond Genres, volume 21. This is an Australian release from this amazing series, not available here, a Blu-ray mm. of Hal Needham's Megaforce. Oh, Wow. Uh, uh, the um, <laughs> Megaforce is a uh, well. Look, when I think about Megaforce. Barry, uh, what's his name? Boswick. Um, Barry Boswick. Boswick and yeah. Michael Beck and Barry had that hair, and he's wearing this. And Persis um, Gambata. Kind of, uh, yeah, <laughs> and he's wearing this kind of a unitard <laughs> thing <laughs> through through this whole thing. It's all like a gold lame unitard with the, oh, the headband. Gold lame unitard. And you, 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 it's just you know, it's just it's all the stuff with these crazy motorcycles and and uh, and, and Edward Mulher who was in Henry Silva and and oh, just all these guys. It's just man, I I I and because you know it was it was of course 
biting into a whole genre of movie that had been pushed off, um, yeah. you know, right after uh, you know Star Wars and all that yeah. kind of stuff. But they, you know, they they made these movies for buck ninety five. But you know, you could you could get a bunch of those. Uh, uh, motorcycles and, uh, and and put that design on them and and uh, and do these wacky things. And there's that scene at the end where he flies on the yeah. on, and he's and he's still a flight. And, and those motorcycles all had rocket launchers in the front of them. And being <laughs> the age that I was at the time, I looked at that and I'm like, you really couldn't spend for something better than just an SD's rocket kit, mail order. <laughs> Like that's all they were. They were mail order SDs rockets that they just oh glued onto the fronts of these motorcycles. It was terrible. Uh, yeah. I remember the day I saw this with a bunch of buddies very, very well. Uh, mm. It was a, uh, it was a summer day and we went out and we're like, dude, just like three new movies this weekend. This is awesome. <laughs> so we went out and we just nailed it. Just one after the other. It was in Westwood and we just hit one theater after another. And we saw the road warrior. Yeah. Loved good it. Choice. We nice saw movie. blade runner. Good. Gnarly move. dude. And then we saw move. Megaforce. Oh man, that sucked. <laughs> it's like that was our day. Those three in one day. Uh, two out of three. Uh, not but bad, I'll say not this: bad. as bad as this movie is, all these years later, I have a great deal of nostalgic affection yeah, for it. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> that unit dark with that hair, and he flies onto that. Yeah, that's a whole oh, movie. Yeah, it, Michael. It just—I don't know what they were thinking, but my goodness and, and then it's a hell needham film and there are these big gigantic scenes out in the middle of the desert with all these yeah. motorcycles and things so that's that's all like hal needham kind of stuff yeah you know uh but mostly i'm like uh, you know i'm not exactly sure why we threw this to hal <laughs> you know because you know hal you, you need burt reynolds running around with a yeah cowboy hat on or something yeah. like that yeah you do well, anyway, Megaforce is out on Blu-ray, but you got to get the import. This is from Umbrella Entertainment. It is their uh, Worlds on Film Beyond Genres, Volume 21. Uh, and uh, it is, uh, it's, 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 it's quite a movie. Uh, it's got extras on it. It's got, uh, you know, documentary trailers, uh, you know, all, all the stuff that you would expect it to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, an interview with Barry Bostwick and Michael Beck from a few years ago. Uh, it's it, there's even there's even the uh, there was a Megaforce video game for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, which I had mm-hmm. no idea. And Barry Bostwick and um, uh, Bob Lindemeyer do a uh, an audio commentary. Uh, there's also an audio commentary with uh, a big fan named Stephen Bag. I wouldn't. I'll be honest. I no offense to anybody, but this movie doesn't really benefit from a commentary, <laughs> including the mega fan. Uh, might be better off just 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 watch it and make up your own mind. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, with that, we are done. Uh, no, Tim, have a fantastic Thanksgiving. You staying in town? You headed out? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stay in town, and I may go visit our friend Francesca uh, down right. in Inglewood. I might do that. I'm not exactly sure, but I'll, but I'll definitely will not be in St. Louis. I'm going to go. I'm going to go home for uh, Christmas. I think. Oh yeah. All right. Well, have a good one. We have no idea what we're doing yet for for Thanksgiving. We're uh, we're gonna be we're planning. We're still having practices. We're going to the area tournament. Oh wow! Well, we can, it's very exciting. Yeah, very exciting. yeah. Got to stay. Got Once again, uh, we're very very happy for uh, for Mark Kaiser tying the Mark. knot. Wishing him well. If any of you want to send your wishes, you can go ahead and email them to us at gods at digigods.com. We will forward them. And uh, until then, have a fantastic Thanksgiving, and we'll see you guys thereafter, probably for our holiday show and gift guide. Still yes. trying to put some of those details together. So we will uh, we will see you all in early December.